Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Static, static, static. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Streaming Evil Live. I was going to go into the, the second part of that, but I realized that I'm not all blue for my projection tubes. There we go. We're all blue from projection tubes. We're all blue from projection tubes. Um, well, I'm going to stick with the red tonight. Let's let's do the red. Welcome. I Guys, I am so excited for tonight's show. I can't even begin to tell you. I'm really, really, really um, <clears throat> ecstatic. It's, it's wonderful uh, to have our first member, actual member of the band that we nerd out about all the time on the air. Um, we also have repeat guest and static ageologist Robbie Bloodshed, who set this whole thing up. So big shout out to Robbie, big ups to Robbie for doing that. And um, this is just this is just really stupendous. I'm really really happy. Um, I have known Jim for almost 12 years. Well, before we get there, I want I received a package actually from Robbie. We should do that first. Let's take a look. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, you didn't do the video. What are you thinking? You gotta do the video. Jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. My eyes are somewhere if he went out for a walk. Do you think Dancy cares? He doesn't care. He's out in the Now we're all blue from projection tubes. Oh, there we are. Okay. 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 Going back to the red. All right. Now we can open the package. So I received this thing. I have no idea what this is. We're going to we're going to flip up with our knife here. I don't know if any of you guys watched the review bra from Reporter of the Week. This guy, he has this big shiny dragon knife that he uses to open stuff up. And <laughs> I was like, I'm going to open everything with a large dangerous knife now. I just feel like that's the best way to do it. Okay, my feed is freezing up says Rue. That's terrible. Sorry to hear that. Um, nothing I could do at this point. We are on a runaway train right now. We just got to roll with it. It'll be whatever it's going to be. Oh, my goodness. I see that there are documents. There are documents in in this envelope that was sent to me. Let's let's review. Let's pour over them for. Oh, this is top secret. This is from Robbie. This is top secret open after show. Should I show you guys? Should I disobey Robbie and. Just open it up. Should I not respect his wish? No, not going to show you. Never mind. No, that's just, that'll remain a mystery. 
That will remain a mystery. Sorry. Sorry. Only I get to see that. Look at that. You can't really see the yellow. Robbie sent a Robbie Bloodshed neon yellow. I'm sure you can get all of these things at RobbieBloodshed.com. Link is in the description below. And when this video is archived, it will be what? <laughs> he sent me instructions on how to apply the decal. I'll put this on my filing cabinet. That's amazing. Oh, this is for, you know what this is? I think Robbie's going to have to explain this. I think this is this is a vinyl decal that you actually put on clothing. Maybe that's what it is. Robbie will explain it. And then, of course, oh, my goodness, look at these. More of these. I, this is one of the, the best stickers I've ever seen Robbie put together. These are like Mylar, shiny Mylar stickers, also available, RobbieBloodshed.com. And last but not least, the thing that we're going to be talking about um, – Robbie has has sent one of his singles. Robbie puts a lot of care into these releases. Really stoked about this. Let's see. Look at that. That's that. There it is. Cheer up. Ah! Oh, no, it escaped. There it is. Cheers for fears. And we're going to talk about this in a minute when we bring the guys out onto the show. They're waiting patiently backstage. That's OK. We want this to populate. We want to get get some heads on for this show. So you got cheers for fears and come back. Robbie and Jim, they decided to do this as a single. This is a single. This is not an album. We're going to ask. I'm, I'm curious to know why that is. We're going to find out. We're going to find out in just a moment. So quick introduction here. Um, I, my first, you know, I've been talking about this. They came from a lot of things. This is a real first full circle moment in a way. Um, I first met Mr. Jim uh, in 2010, March 3rd, 2010. I had emailed with him back and forth. He was the very first person that said yes when I wanted to start interviewing people about the misfits. And it really put a lot of wind in my sails. Um, and I was I was met with a decision. And um, <clears throat> it was very interesting. I had this was my last two hundred dollars uh, and I needed something to record the audio for Mr. Jim. I didn't have good sound and I had learned in school. You must always have good sound. And whatever it is that you do, it's super important. So I was left with this decision. Is this, you know, um, a commitment that I'm willing to spend my last $200 on? And I decided that it was. And I went to B&H and I put down that $200, last $200 to my name. And I bought a lavalier microphone. I conducted my very first interview with Mr. Jim. And that lavalier microphone, I use that microphone on hundreds of interviews afterwards. Um, many, 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 many times. That mic had served me uh, to give me good audio. And it all started because I needed something for Mr. Jim because Mr. Jim said yes. So I'm eternally grateful to Mr. Jim. And I can't believe that here it is 12 years later and we're, we're having him on the show for the first time. It only took 90, <laughs> it only took 93 episodes to have a member of the Misfits on. That's so funny. But without further uh, ado, let's, let's, um, let's bring out um, the guests for this evening. We have um, Mr. Jim. Catania, and we have Robbie Bloodshed. Thanks. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, everybody. Show. What's Hello, going everybody? on? How you doing? Hello, Rob. What's up? This is so cool. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Robbie, great to have you back as well. Truly. Yeah. Um, Robbie, thank you so much for sending this package. Uh, let's 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 bust out of the gate right now and talk about what you guys have just done together. You started you guys uh, have collaborated on a brand new single. Um, 
first tell me how did you guys start playing together what, what tell me about the genesis of that i think the first time jim and i did anything together was uh 2012 when we did uh remember in that studio in Fairlawn, new jersey we did Hollywood Babylon. Did love Hollywood Babylon? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah that, that mm-hmm. was the first time. And then you moved to Florida, right? Shortly after that, it and then when you came back up, we did uh, Red Ice in 2018. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And you, Jim, you had so there used to be, uh, Jim uh, was um, in the video business, and he had uh, he was the proprietor of various different establishments, including. Mr. Jim's House of Video, and then later Dinosaur Records, which if you go on my channel, one of the first videos was a commercial for Mr. Jim's Dinosaur, what is it, Dinosaur Records. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I remember in 2011, yeah. I came down with my camera to your store, mm-hmm. you had just opened up, and YouTube is not what it is now, like now would be the perfect time to do that commercial, and Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the right time, but it was it was ahead of its time. We did a commercial in Mr. Jim's store. That was cool. I remember that. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what so tell me about how okay, so you guys linked back up in 2018 to uh do this song, and that began um this sort of evolving thing that you guys have just been kind of doing together. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a show in a couple weeks, actually. And down in Florida, we're going to do a show in support of Cheers for Fears. That's awesome. And, uh, now, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That, that was it. Um, but it's not the first time you guys have played together. Tell me what that has been like. You guys have been, uh, do, you, you've been going down to Florida to do shows. Yeah, no, it's it's great playing with. It's such a, uh, it's cool playing with him because I love, <laughs> for years I've tried to emulate his beats. So it's cool to actually have the guy who created the fucking beats drumming, you know with me right so right <laughs> and i think i give him a little youthness i think so he does right right injects and uh, makes you feel young again um i really like the cover art for cheers cheers for fears where does the name come from what's that all about explain this to me um i you know that was just uh jamie the bass player uh who plays on that he uh we were talking, I forget what we were talking about, but um, I think it was just about people getting like scared by news and whatnot. And uh, he said something, Cheers for Fears. And I was like, all right, that's a song title. And then I just wrote a song, wrote lyrics. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Cheers for Fears. Like you're cheering for the for fearing. People. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah, that makes sense. That is interesting. And I noticed that the Robbie Bloodshed logo is like the New York Dolls style. Is that what you were going for? Something like that? Yeah, but with a knife. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Instead of a lipstick, you got a knife. That's really cool. And then you have Mr. Mr. Jim and, and Jamie below. Uh, and then the back side is you, you have Cheers for Fears and you have Come Back as well, which is obviously a Misfits cover. Um I've now I've watched videos of you guys playing. You guys can check these out on Robbie's channel. He's he's posted a bunch of them. Uh, it's really cool to hear the actual parts because everybody who plays these static age parts doesn't play them correctly. And you wouldn't know that they're not played necessarily correctly until you hear the guy who originated them playing them correctly. Um, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say non, not correctly. 
it's it's an interpretation it, it's okay the way a certain person would play a certain part how they hear it okay so okay um but it there's i don't you know what it is it's just that i i've heard other musicians talk about this it's like like sometimes like people like the the beat gets simplified there's something that gets simplified in the in the execution and it doesn't um it, it's it it still fits for the song but it's not you know um you know the things that we love the things that the songs that we love the most are uh we want to hear exactly how they're done and therefore people start to scrutinize the 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 method the methodology which is why which is i guess what why it's so cool to hear you doing like all the little flourishes and stuff on comeback which you guys you guys did that live in in florida Mm -hmm. and whatnot i think what sets in like what makes his drumming too unique that people can't really replicate in their interpretations is like because jim plays lefty and as like i could play drums you know and i'm a righty it's it's a mind fuck watching him play because lefties just do they do different stuff and it's not something that you know righties could really replicate 100 percent um are you playing a left-handed kit when you play left-handed or are you playing a right-handed kit? Well, just I'm, I'm playing a right-handed kit that I switch around to make mm. it left-handed. So this it's is not like of... a guitar where, where it's, a, it's, a, it's a certain thing. You just move everything the opposite way. Um, Ringo Starr has talked about being a lefty playing a right, right-handed kit and how there's almost like sometimes there's like little delays in when you would hit something because you got to shift your dominant hand over to the uh, according drum. Have you found yourself in a similar sort of case with that, where there might be a, a more of a delay because you're not playing like the, the, uh, an exact, or is it pretty much, Oh, I flip it over. And it, it, I'll, I'll put it this way. If, if I were playing right-handed, I would have to th- think more before I acted left-handed for me is 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 the natural way to do it so it's it's not any different from a right-handed drummer other than everything's opposite gotcha gotcha so so yeah but like yeah yeah yeah, no totally and it i i could just imagine like robbie you're a right-handed drummer correct yeah so have you ever tried playing (laughs) left-handed it's like writing left-handed you know what i mean if you're writing (laughs) It's yeah. it's literally just like uh, it doesn't want to work, you know. And it's uh, it I, it does it gives a, a different sound, you know, because they play beats different. That's why Manny too, like on uh, Cough Cool and She, um, he's because he plays open handed. What's open handed? Yeah, yeah, you're you're right on that, Rob. Yeah, like he um he'll lead like with his hi hat with his left hand and snare with the right. Usually, you'd use your right hand on the hi-hat and on the snare the left okay you know what i'm saying so he's going like this yeah 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 yeah. rather than this yeah 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 yeah. and every single thing that you do is going it's it's isn't the same thing like if you play a guitar versus by the way i see all the comments guys we're gonna do we'll do like a little question and answer thing at the end we want to keep this a flowing conversation so we're we're gonna um, we see your comments, but we're just going to we're keeping the conversation flowing for now. But hang on to your comments, guys, and your questions and things. Um, 
but uh, okay. So to to sort of to sort of plug in the guitar thing, Robbie, it's kind of like when you could be playing the same song, but if you're not using the same guitar with the same components, you're not going to get the exact same tone. And it's like, you're, there's going to be something that slightly varies and you'll be able to pick it up with your ear, no matter how accordingly you're playing the part. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's interesting. Um, what is uh well tell me about the the studio process for you guys how does it work how did it work when you're doing cheers for fears or you've done a bunch of you've done a, a couple of tracks together so what is what is that recording process like tell me about that well usually we practice the songs beforehand like you know a day or so before and then because jim feels and it's it is very organic to play this way right we don't, we don't use click uh tracks when jim and i record everything is live so like okay. cheers Fears was recorded live just him and i you know playing off each other yeah, basically the, the the rhythm tracks were recorded live and then robbie put you know his, his overdubs yeah yeah but the bulk of it is like is yeah, done the, the base of it is live yeah um, Jim, what is okay? Why do you prefer to not do a click track? And what is like? Explain again, n- a non-musician here. Why? Why a click track in the first place? And why not a click track in the case of what you guys are doing? I I don't like playing to a click track because it, it kind of feels like I'm I'm playing to a record, mm-hmm. which I was never any good at. I I I kind of have to set the pace He's the conductor. it's just it's just kind of the way i work and and, and uh it, it just to me it just sounds better if i'm i'm just doing what i do and and, and robbie or whoever basically he's the conductor of the tree. i guess you know yeah we we follow him you know he sets the beat so. Right. So I love that analogy of the conductor. I think that's really cool. That makes that that really speaks to me. I, I, I understand that. Um, so when you're playing to a click track, it's almost like robotic in the sense that the, the machine is is steering the car. But if you're doing it, it's like your feel. You're, yeah. you're playing by yeah. feel. And yeah, yeah I, th- I think the click track kind of takes the feel away a little bit and and luckily for me my timing is pretty good so i i don't veer off too much from where it's supposed to be and and 90 percent of the time it works out you know that's kind of interesting that playing without a click track like introduces uh an organic more human element to the percussion side of things yeah. where a lot of people are sort of like oh yeah i'll just flip a switch and i got the drum machine going which has its time and place in, in, in aesthetically, if you're doing a music like that, but um, that is really interesting. And then, so then you have these two types of styles. It's like, you're playing tight in the pocket versus, versus like playing by feel, like speeding up and slowing down. Is there something to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you just try to, to, it's hard to explain. I, you know, I just do it by feel, but, you just try to make it sound as good as you can possibly make it sound. And, and, and sometimes like Robbie or whoever the guitar player is will, will do a little something and, and you'll 
kind of follow it. I've always played more toward the melody than to the to the bass line. If that is that is very apparent to me on some of the static age stuff. Yeah. For sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um Robbie, I see pictures of you and Jim together, like in some pictures where you guys are kind of like facing each other while you're playing. Is that like what tell me about that? Is there something to that? Like where you have to like kind of establish yeah. eye contact? Yeah, that's that's because Jim doesn't know the songs that well. And he needs to <laughs> well, you could you know what I mean? like you could say like chorus or like we're changing, you know what I mean? Like you and even like um certain accents I know like um uh, where it's kind of just off a of feeling where he'll hit hard where it's supposed to be hit hard and you could really like make an eye contact you could feel like all right boom you know what i mean yeah it's just yeah. like a, a, you know yeah, you're we're, gonna, we're gonna extend it here we're gonna you know we're gonna push it here right exactly. um that is really interesting it's almost like i don't I, it's you know i mean it's not dancing but it's kind of like you guys, it's I mean, the way it sounds, the way you guys are talking, it almost sounds like a dance. Well, it, it, it's chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Or chem, right. Chemistry. Chemistry yeah. comes into play. Exactly. Yeah. And now, like the way that Robbie, Robbie has really gotten into recording stuff. He, him and I are always going back and forth and talking about recording stuff or re recording techniques. He's telling me about the latest thing that he's trying in, you know, his studio. He's, he's a, uh, he's a journeyman. He's a seeker of the sound in that kind of way um you've been in recording studios for you know at this point you, you've done it in so many different ways over the years um how has that changed how have things changed from doing things like analog on tape at ci recording studios with like the misfits to you know continental crawler or you know whoever else you've you've played with to uh doing things digitally now with uh robbie or i know you used to play with the von frankensteins and some other bands too what like tell me about um tell me about that uh for me personally for what for the part i play in in said song not a whole lot i i just uh kind of do what i do and and these guys are, are so good at what they do that they make me sound good so <laughs> That's kind of the way it works right now. What about miking? Do you mic? It? Are things miked differently? Tell me about miking up the drum kit, like in that sort of thing. Well, you're gonna have to have to ask Robbie about miking. <laughs> tell us, Robbie. Let's tell us all about the the miking of things. So for that one, we um, no, I don't have it on me. We uh, we used an SM7B, which is you you probably know what that is because it's every podcast usually. Like has that uh, a big black one? Yeah, uh, I know exactly Jackson, what you're talking about. Michael Jackson actually used that on uh, I think Thriller back then, um, but we use that on the snare, which is usually usually I don't think people normally they usually put like a I'm getting a little techie, but an SM57 on the snare. But we use this podcasting type mic, but you can use it for anything. It's so dynamic. And then um, we actually <laughs> for the drums we put a microphone in bass player Jamie's wash machine where we recorded the drums. And one of the mics catching Jim's drums is in a washing machine pointed right in. Working? I want to bring in a technical guy here who, 
who knows and owns the washing machine. <laughs> Look away. Guitar player for the surfing patinos and bass player on Cheers for Fears. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I've seen your work. I love listen, <laughs> you guys make quite the trio, and I really enjoyed hearing those static age songs live in uh, uh play, show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Welcome to the show. Yeah, um Robbie's idea was to put a mic in the uh in the washer tub to get their <laughs> Is the washer um, going when you're doing uh, this? No, 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 no. It was just open and it was uh in the garage. Next time it'll be going. Yeah, yeah, next, next time. time. <laughs> that will sound that'll this sound crazy. We're, we're gonna record a couple of original singles, so yeah. That's awesome. Now, yeah. is this like is this gonna be like the same? This is the same setup as Cheers for fears. Is this a yep. different? Is this like a different side project, or like what is this entity that is recording more singles? The Surfing Cretino. So now we're, we're Robbie introduced us, and now we're Robbie's like support band. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's great. So, Rob- so yeah. So yeah. when when Robbie's in Florida, we are the backup band. Nice. And when he's not here, <laughs> yeah. Well, like when we gotta like put band. food on the table, like <laughs> we'll play we'll play the songs uh, without him. But yeah. No, that's great. You need to have it's it's good to have uh to to have a, a rhythm section ready and primed for wherever you are traveling, wherever you're gonna be. Um, the guy in green jello, he has four hundred bands all over the world. He it's the green jello's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most members, and he just like flies in to a city and he does the show with whatever band. So he has like a band in like Alaska. He has a band in like Colorado. He just kind of kind of like what Chuck Berry used to do. Yeah. Th- yes, that's exactly <laughs> like what Chuck Berry used to do. And yeah. for those of you who are New York Dolls fans, I just had Steve Conti on my show. Steve was the guitar player for the Reunited New York Dolls. He plays on all the albums, the, the Reunited albums. And he pl- he was in Chuck Berry's backing band and tells that story. Nice. And nice. it is <laughs> it is something else. So yeah. keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. Chuck was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck was a trip, indeed. Um, Jamie, what um tell me what it's like playing some of these static age songs. I heard you guys do the come the live comeback. It's so great. Like, you know, what what did you what was your approach to uh to 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 doing this song? Um, oh man, that, that, that is a compound question, man, because, uh, I was always like a walk among us kind of, we, like, we made him do it. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> Robbie's got such an old soul. And then he was like, Hey, you live down in Florida now. Um, Jim lives down there. Do you want to meet him? I was like, I got like, like puckered and kind of like nervous. <laughs> like, I was like, what, what are you doing to me? Because, like, you know, Robbie and I got together, like, just discussing Queen and then doing the Freddie Mercury tribute thing. Nice. And, then, uh, and then, so then that just kind of uh, evolved. And then uh, he introduced me to this real, really cool gym guy. And, uh, <laughs> like, and, like, some of these songs, like, I was like, eh, it's, it's, not, it's not like I turned into a Martian or it's not, like, upbeat and, like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip them because, like, I, I was, like, you know, like that that generation where like um like ruby hadn't released walk among us yet so like we we had to get like bootleg tapes from like um uncle sal and stuff like that <laughs> um, <Uncle> sal. yeah <laughs> uh, always like, an uncle sal always an uncle sal <laughs> lying around this is super old school stuff 
Yeah. And I had like generation lost. Uh, I, I see my Freddie Mercury tattoo. Ah. But yeah, but um, this is mine. Yeah, right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like, 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 my brother Jay, like, was like, like talking to Sal and having Bobby steal like autograph a bunch of shit and stuff. And then uh, we, we, we got this tape, and, like, I snuck into his bedroom and, like, copied this tape of, like, Walk Among Us. And, like, it was, like, super, like, <sighs> like generation loss. Then, like, like, Skulls, like, it sounded like I Want Your Soul. And I was like, man, it would be cool if you, like, I Want Your Skull. That would be a cool lyric, man. You know, like, as a young, like, you know, like, 1988, like, high school kid. And, uh... And then Ruby re-released that, so then that, that was kind of like right before the collection and stuff like that. And, and then and then uh, when they started bootlegging all the all the all the seven inches, so like uh, then in what what was it, nineteen ninety four that Static Age was released? Yeah, ninety four, ninety five. I think yeah. Jeff would probably know yeah. And then ninety seven, like, six, ninety six. Okay, where's <laughs> the year before I was born? Year before I was born. Wow! But like listening to like, I mean, like when when that was released, I mean, like you walk out of like what Circuit City or Best Buy, like some commercial place, and you're like you're holding this like Holy Grail that's like now like commercially like distributed, and like it it, it was kind of exciting that like like that like hidden gem was like released, and you can throw it in your your car stereo and and, and like listen to these like like the original versions because I mean like legacy legacy was always cool, but it didn't have a it didn't have a tight production on it. It had that eighties kind of wet kind of overly saturated like uh, production to it. And then uh, then like so listening to Static Age and then like like skipping ahead like my wife keeps saying like what. Would you ever imagine like moving out of Florida and <laughs> playing these classic songs with Jim? I was like, no, like I still can't really get my head around it. But like, I mean, like it, it's like Robbie's put so much energy like out in the world towards this like niche that of course this would happen. Any anybody associated with them, like I mean this I mean this is like 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 the powder keg that that like he's been kinda kinda grooming. So Are like, you are you familiar with the band Wolfface, by the way? Because you guys are right in the same neighborhood, I think, as Wolfface. One of my favorite new bands. And if you are not I think familiar Tampa, with them, yeah. I think they're in Tampa or St. Peter Petersburg, right? Uh, they Wolf? might be looking in the window right now. Wolfface? Yeah. Wolf yeah. face, yeah. Well, Check them out. out there, yeah, because right? we're like we were supposed to play with Bony Fiend this Saturday, but uh, one of the guys got the vid. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, but you... we're still gonna we're gonna still like like play the show in their honor. Now we have um, banging set for any misfits fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, I gotta tell you, I really like this "Cheers for Fears" single. I've listened to it. It is a great track. Make sure you go to RobbieBloodshed.com. Pick yourself up a copy. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. Before we move on, why a single? This is interesting. And what's kind of weird is, not weird, but like sort of like a fascinating observation here is that like here is this thing that's like um, it's a CD single. Usually when you think of a CD, you think of uh, a full album. And yet... It's like, you know, vinyl is expensive to press up. So here we are with like a CD single 
in this day and age um why why singles now after releasing so many albums over the years robbie um it's way more cost efficient uh when you get albums mixed and mastered it costs an arm and a leg you know what i mean it's it's so pricey and uh i feel like today now i mean personally i love full-length albums but today uh people consumers just want you know the most disposable thing most like you know obtainable thing and singles are just more in the conscious eye you know what i mean they don't have the attention spans of what i think people used to have or yeah, i think i think people are, are going to like look at an album and just pick out what they like from that album and either download it or buy it or have it, how that stuff works yeah, it's almost like option anxiety so, like yeah. too many, too many so, so we're just you know Giving them, giving them one option. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have another single that more to come. Where the three of us recorded a song I wrote uh, called "Mystery." I think it's going to come out around Halloween. How mysterious! No, I think that's great. No, truly, I think it's a great idea, and I think that we are now back in the day and age of the single. Where in the digital age of streaming, where people might just listen to one track, the album experience is an it's an uh, an obsolete concept. Like it's still here because it's been with us for decades and decades and decades. But if music keeps evolving, like imagine fifty years from now, where people are like sort of like free, like sort of like like sus- like uh, uh, suspicious of oh, who would want like you know twenty five songs, like you know like the idea that everything is singles and maybe 50 years is not so far out. Maybe it's more like, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now, like the next generation who completely and truly embraces the single from which is where everything kind of started from in the beginning with radio play. But like in the age of YouTube with making a YouTube video and doing Spotify or whatever, Apple music um, singles totally make sense. So I think it's a really, really smart idea. And if you still want the album experience, you can do, you know, a compilation, put them all together in a package for whoever wants it. Yeah, well, that's good, kind of the end game. Yeah, well, you know, when, when we get the material together to do it. But, yeah, because do you have the Baltimore album or do you just have the single Tarzan Boy? I mean, that's kind of the the, the analogy there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, let's let's go back now. Let's go back a ways, like uh, in Wayne's world. Come on, guys! Everybody, yeah, we're going back in time. Yeah, there you go. Oh, look, see, Jim's doing it too, guys. I have a picture of Jim with sunglasses and the hat on with me. We have it. We're doing it together. Um, actually, Jim, you know, remember when? Uh, yeah, you got the sunglasses on too. Uh, Jim, when? Uh, uh, what's his face? Joe Truck took a picture of us in House of Video with Frank, with yeah. Franche Coman. The three of us are doing the Static Age thing. But I remember, yeah. But but Jim is not Jim is synonymous with Static Age, but he didn't he wasn't in that photo. That was a mistake. That was a that was the cough cool era photo that somehow has now gotten lumped in with with Static Age stuff. Um, yeah, that was actually Manny on the cover. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Manny on the cover. A jarring yeah. error. <laughs> well, hey, Manny deserves his place. So Manny, de- I agree. Manny totally deserves his place. Now here's what's interesting about Jim's career. Maybe Robbie will be will know will be able to fill me in more, even more than me. You played on something like 18 songs 
but those 18 songs are spread across a large amount of releases. What are all the releases, Robbie? <laughs> well, will you lot. remember him? Well, you, do you remember <laughs> all the releases? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, well, all right, so it'd be the Bullet EP, Beware. Yeah. Uh, collection one and two. Yeah. Uh, Legacy of Brutality. The box set. And like that probably would be it. Uh, aside from Static, you know, Static Age. <laughs> That's a lot of releases. Yeah. 17 songs. All of those, all of those releases can are, come from the seven, the same 17 song session. So it's kind of interesting. The Misfits have, I think the, there are 54 uh, original Misfit songs that were recorded like proper with the band, not including lost songs and stuff. So I don't know what the percentage is there. That's almost the uh, four, four, no, not 40%. I'm just really bad with math. I'm embarrassed. What is that? Like 30 ish. 35-ish percent. Somebody yeah, who's better at math. It's, it's, in, it's yeah. in the 30s, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Jim clearly knows. <laughs> Jim clearly is aware. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about the town of Lodi, though, for a minute. It's an interesting place. Um, that's where you come from. That's where all you guys come from. That's where the band originates in the town of Lodi. Um and it's also known by another name, like back in the day. Maybe you know about this too, Robbie. I'm not sure. What the Sin Strip? What is that about? The Sin Strip was was on. Uh, this is back in the 50s. Yeah. It was a portion of Route 46 that went through Lodi, right around the circle, right around where Lodi Pizza now is. And there were a lot of nightclubs and and uh, like night nightlife and, and 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 stuff like that and then there was that uh that horrible uh shooting the cops there photo and Tedes uh, there was the voto tedesco situation voto, yeah tell me about that and what was that that, that kind of ended that well i'm, I'm you, you can look old. it up i'm old i'm not that old <laughs> you could act there's a 60 minutes documentary on the guy who uh i forget his fucking name who Trent killed Trentino, yeah. If you look yeah. up Trentino on YouTube, there's a 60 minutes documentary on that. Yeah, he, he 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 gunned down a couple of cops in Lodi at one of the clubs. I, I don't know which club it was. I don't remember. Yeah, and and uh, he went to jail for life, I, I believe. And, and I, the brother, I, I, I know he was up for parole. I don't know if he ever got it. He, he's he, out. He's he out. And he, and he even writes children's Rob, books. Probably knows his criminals. Yeah. Absolutely, and he, yeah. he read children's books, and he's um, he's crazy. They they uh, they would yes. protest every time he had uh, a court hearing because his brother was then the guy the guy who was murdered. His brother was the uh, was the yeah was the cop in Lodi. Andy Andy Lodi. Yeah. And uh, so anytime that there was a parole on, they would shoot it down. Right, right, right. So so that ended the sin strip sort of scene. Yeah. And, and again, wow. this was probably late fifties, maybe 61, 62, you know, before any of us. Right. Were of course, of course. Um, no, but it's just interesting. It's just, there were just like little things about Lodi's history that I was not aware of. Oh yeah. Initially. No, Lodi is a, is a colorful town. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And there's also there's some other bands. There's like some other bands that come out of Lodi. Um, I didn't know this. There was a there's a duop band out of Lodi. I forget the name. I think from the '60s, if I'm not mistaken. And the name is escaping me. It's gonna it's gonna bother the crap out of me. I'm gonna have to go and look at my tape. I have a tape that we're talking about. A duop band. I would think they're a duop band. I try to remember the name. I were the Rascals from Lodi, or were they from Garfield? The Rascals were, were, were from Long Island and Garfield. Oh, and Garfield. Everybody was from Garfield. Gotcha. I think the rest of them were from Long Island. Uh, I think Joey D and the Starlighters might have been from Lodi or Garfield. I think it's Joey D and the Starlight. I like it was. I was like, if I heard it, I would know it. I uh-huh. think it's Joey D and the Starlighters. Somebody think, look that up in the comments. Look that up for us. Let us know um, what what the situation is. So um, no, but that's just interesting. Uh, you know, because it just seems like there's like a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, obviously the, the the Lodi is known for being the hometown of the Misfits, and you know there are very few. Uh, there are very few other towns that are so famous and iconic for being the places from where a punk band sprang from but for some reason that 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 is the the way it is with with lodi and the misfits yeah well i mean even before punk i mean i mean you know i'm, I'm old enough that i was around before punk and and, and we i mean in, even in like late grammar school early high school everybody was a musician in lodi Everybody played guitar or bass or drum. There were so many, just like local cover bands out of Lodi that it, it was amazing. No other town had that. I um, challenge you to find a musician in Lodi nowadays. There's probably maybe two, <laughs> and I'm in a band with one of them probably. So, I mean, it, it's it, yeah. How t- times have changed. Lodi used to be a very sort of like uh, it was suburban, uh, blue collar, mostly Italian. And uh, it's just very uh, sort of different. But yet, if you drive through Lodi, you still can feel that sense that yeah. flavor is still there. The core is still there. Yeah. Did you go to Cardi's as a kid, Jim? Not often, once, once or twice, but okay. I, I didn't I didn't really hang out there a lot. That was more uh, um, Frank Frank Comus territory. He he lived near Union Street. I was kind of I don't know ten or eight ten eight or ten blocks away from there. So when you're a kid and you're walking, you don't go there. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this, Jim. What was Halloween like growing up in Lodi? Like this is something I always sort of like wonder about. Like when I imagine, because I feel like it informed that band so much too. Like suburban, I, when I think of like picturesque Americana suburban Halloween, I think of a town like Lodi. Um, what, do Do you have any memories of Halloween growing up, like when you were there? Eh, eh, I mean, it, it was you know kids trick or treating like 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 everywhere else, but but uh, quite honestly, I was usually usually in the city on Halloween. There you go. They, there you go. In you know punk bands or whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. Have you, you settled this one for me? Ask Jim where are the misfits from. I don't need to. Ask, <laughs> ask, ask, ask him what, what I know what he's gonna say. I know what he's gonna say. And he, you've already had this conversation with him, probably. And I don't think I ever I don't think I brought it up. The Jim, misfits, let me ask you something. Right? Let, let me ask you something. Would you consider when you think about 
when you think about where the misfits really made their like bones and like kind of a, where you guys were establishing yourself, you guys are playing Max's Kansas city and you're, you're going into the city. I know uh, you played leading. in Jersey. I know you're you played leading. in Jersey. I'm not leading. <laughs> no, all right, I, maybe I, know, I'm leading. I know, I know what you're getting at Jeff. And, yeah. And, uh, we were from New Jersey, but we were a New York band. Oh, he fucking betrayed me. Well, no, no, we didn't betray. That's that's where we played. Yeah, we knew. Thank you. You were in New Jersey, Ben. Well, we were from New Jersey. Yeah, and Uh, and we just fueled him. He's he's gonna talk about this for the next forever, for for forever, forever. No, I mean, look, look, look. You're obviously. I, I would consider the misfits I mean, were we, a... we couldn't do what we did in New Jersey back then. We we nobody would have it. We we had we had a play in New York. We had a play at, at the and they weren't even punk clubs yet. They were just like new music clubs, you know, Max's CVs, a million other little clubs that came and went within a week or two. Uh you could you couldn't do what we were doing in, in uh St. Joe CYO or, or wherever the hell, <laughs> you know. I mean, look, I, I I see how, you know, you and, and Steve Zing and everybody else thinks that the Misfits were a New Jersey band. But I think that where you're establishing, you're establishing yourself in New York, that makes you if you're okay you're well, just as much of a new york band as you would be a new jersey band how about that it's not like we we went to max's kansas city and we, we did our gigs and we said hey we're from new jersey you know i mean we we, <laughs> we didn't do that sorry <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not gonna gloat i'm not gloating i'm just oh, no, sitting no. here i see it, I see it. I'm just sitting here shining and feeling validated. No, um, doesn't doesn't mean doesn't mean that that there's not a great music scene in New Jersey. There is. There's a, there's plenty of great bands from New Jersey, but but you couldn't do stuff. I mean, un, until like places like the Showplace in Dover or the Dirt Club, which were a few years later, we couldn't play what we were playing anywhere else in New Jersey. When places like that start, started to get on to the, you know, they, they started to see it was something that was real and worthwhile, then we could play there. Not that we did, but we could. Um, question, question. So you were, but when you for, when you guys start, at least there's some. And, you know, the thing of that, I, I love Misfit Central because it's given us all this wonderful information as like a springboard to do more infor- more research and yada, yada, yada. But it's like not every date on Misfit Central is accurate. Like you guys played probably more shows than is listed or documented. Or it's not very that time is not very well documented. So what I'm curious to know is you you're played asking. some. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Jim? I said you're asking me. <laughs> right, right, right. No. You know, you said you you were going into the city to play, but you you were playing in locally in New Jersey a little bit too. And what was well, talk well, a little? Yeah, go on, sorry, go ahead. The Misfits did did some gigs like at Eddie's Lounge in Teaneck. This is before my time. This is when Manny was still there. Um, I can't think of anywhere else in New Jersey where they were playing. Maybe Robbie might remember, you know, from his historical point of view. But <laughs> where? Uh... Where was the, the show place? 
the, well, the show place was a little bit later. That, okay. was, that was, you know, we were, we were kind they, of around for a couple of years before the show place became available to play at. I think they only did maybe, well, how many shows in New Jersey before you came along? I mean, probably two, three. I don't know. All I, all I can think four, of is four Island. or five. No, no, no. That's including, look, they went up to Canada. They yeah. went up to Canada for two shows and then Manny split. What happened was, and this is what Manny told me when I interviewed him. Manny said that from his point of view of things that they went up there, they went all the way up to Canada to play and there were nine people, like nine people showed up and Manny was like, I'm not wasting my time on these long drives anymore. He yeah. split. Um, but here's the thing now, Jim, to go back, let's tie this back into the begin. To, let's 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 rewind for a second, uh, because, A, I want to know, did you did you see the misfits when they were a three piece? Do you remember? I don't, you know, I, I honestly don't think I did. Um, memory gets foggy back then, but I, I actually, Understandable. I, I, I'm sure I would have remembered if I. Like I know, I I never went to any of the Eddie's Lounge shows again. Back to that, um, so no, I I don't think I did. Did you hear the Cough Cool She single back yes. then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you what do you think of like the keyboard driven songs? I actually thought it was pretty arty. I thought it was kind of different. Did they? Did he ever play with the keyboards with you? Not in he, the Misfits. No. No. Not even like to show. I don't know if you like what the process was. If he brought the keyboards ever to like show, like no, like, no, not back then. No, it was it was Frank, me, and Jerry instrumentally, and, and Glenn would just sing. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, Chris Morantz and Steve Zing both say hello, Mr. Oh. Jim. Hello, guys. How are you? We were talking. We had I Steve on the show. Just, I like the stuff in the computer, so I'll just talk. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had Steve on the show and we were talking about your, your drumming, some of your, your drumming techniques. Um, but here's the thing. So here's what, so let's go back to the, the Lodi musician of uh, the pool of musicians in Lodi. You guys, there were lots of people that were playing. There's a lot of people that are doing covers, right? That's typically the jam. Yes, Tell exactly. me about that. Well, it, it, it's exactly what you said. I mean, there were, there were so many cover bands and, and, I mean, a lot of them were very good. I mean, they they were, and they were all young too. So, but they they were, you know, they were good. But they were doing cover. I mean, we even did covers, you know, when when we were kids. Right. I was in a band with Glenn. We did covers, and and you know, we were pretty good too. But. But and, um, sorry. Go ahead. You you reach the point where everybody's doing the same stuff, which is you know. You kind of get to like, okay, you know, everybody's doing 10 years after everybody's doing, you know, ever Clapton or, or whatever. And, and it's it's good, but. Do you remember doing any songs in particular? Do you, remember, do, do you remember doing any of the songs in particular? Yeah, we, we did some different stuff, actually, when we had the cover band. We did some Velvet Underground covers. We covered Free, Savoy Brown, um, like stuff a little bit off the the main track you know That's cool. and then we, we we played a lot of like dances and stuff and then people kind of like this but again it was just cover music and that was uh kudat and boojang exactly mm -hmm. 
what is that name? What is Kudat and Boojang? It's it's meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Clint Eastwood movie. It, it's it's four guys drinking beers after practice and, and coming up with a name. <laughs> okay, that that definitely works, and that had that also had Steve, Stevie Lynn was in that as well, right? Stevie Lynn and and uh, my very old friend Jerry Byers, who is somewhere in Hawaii now. Yeah, and good you, good good players, good good guys. Yeah, and then there were other players too. Like there was some guy who was sixteen years old, and he got cut down in his prime. He was like the the the. Cock of the walk, right? Like the guitar ma- maestro or something. You talking something. about talking about uh, uh, guy guy Layakano? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was yeah he was a great guitar player, and yeah he he died young. His brother Glenn is now the drummer. He's he's been playing drums at Lordi for years. He's he's in a band now called the Individuals, hmm. with, the, with Joey Bart and Kenny Rocha. A lot of old. Lodi guys from 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 forever, and 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 they're they're a very good band, very good cover band. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: two things. Thing number one, um, you you and Glenn, you know, you guys, it, it all evolves from jams, right? A bunch of guys get together, they jam, and you go, hey, this is working out. We're going to form a band. Tell me about that process. Is there a process with that? Does that happen? Well, I mean, we did that when we were younger with the cover bands. You know, uh, we'll get together. We'll we'll plug this guy in. He doesn't work out. We'll plug a different different guy in, and and we'll see what happens. And now we're good enough to play somewhere. Um, with what eventually became the Misfits, Glenn had it. Uh, you know, his his little series of songs. I don't know, twelve or fifteen songs, whatever it was. And and uh, this is what I have. And and let let's let's all put something together. This is with me, Glenn, Jerry, and and Frank. And and uh, you know this this is this is the the skeleton of the song. And let let's put it together and and do what we do. And and uh, that's what it turned into. Now, when before the Misfits were the Misfits with Manny and Jerry, mm-hmm. and you were kind of like doing like rehearsals when it's just sort of forming, but it's not the misfits yet. It's just you sort of jamming and you're, there's a rotating sort of arc of people jamming. Glenn is on the, on the piano at that point in time playing piano or is he playing guitar or is he just singing? By the, by the time I showed up, he was pretty much just singing. Okay. I know he when was doing you- the piano and guitar stuff earlier, but by the time I got there, no. Didn't you say you jammed with Diane Di Piazza once and Glenn? Yeah, yeah, we 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 screwed around once, uh, in, I guess in Glenn's basement, I think it was. That was just you. It was Glenn. just it was a casual, you know. Let, let's gotcha. get together and see what happens. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Is um, she was playing? Uh, she was playing bass, or she was playing guitar? She was playing bass. Interesting. And Glenn was Glenn was on keys. Glenn was playing, yeah, keys and singing, yeah. As far as I remember, and again, it's a long time ago, but of course, I think course. that's pretty accurate. Um, and then, like you said, Glenn had like 12 to 15 songs, something like that. Manny has said yeah, to maybe me, maybe more, maybe more, I don't know, but Manny said that he had upwards of 25, if I recall. Yeah. Oh, but that's very possible, yeah, 
just you know again who who knows how many he's showing to who when he's when he's do, depending on who's in the room yeah. and whatnot that kind of thing um and manny was kind of a he was a tough guy he was a tough tough guy back then right yeah mm-hmm. yeah scrapper scrapper yeah good one yeah yeah <laughs> not the guy you want to cross on the street if or, you know um is and tell me about the park outside of Manny's house. That was like just a place where kids would hang out. You know about that park? Oh yeah, uh, Redstone, right? Redstone Park, I think it was called. Yeah, it was. It was right next to his house. He lived on the end of a, of a dead end, and, and yeah, we would all hang out in the park and drink. And he lived by the firehouse, so, right? Say again, Rob. Did he live by the firehouse? Who, Manny? Yeah. No, no, Manny lived on. Uh, I thought he lived on. Uh, what is that a uh, Hitchcock? Off of Hitchcock, it was called Redstone Lane. It was a little dead end with a like a cul-de-sac, I think. Gotcha. I know. I know exactly. At the end of the den was a little. By the, yeah, yeah. By the DMV, almost. Yeah. And and you and Manny were in the same grade at Lodi High. I believe we were. Yeah. Right. I believe we're the same age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, and then the middle school, what happened? The middle school changed over, but that was before you were in the old high school. I was the last class to graduate out of the whole old high school. Yeah. And then why did they change it? What happened? They just were like, we're, we're, they, we're I guess they needed the room. I guess Lord, I was growing, gotcha. you know, gotcha. Um, so, so now let's fast forward. You, you come into the band through Glenn, Manny, Manny is gone. They have the studio time, right? Um, tell me about. Tell me what you remember from go, entering the band. Well, the turnaround was kind of quick. Um, they may have had the studio time before they spoke to me about it. I don't know, but uh, um, it was like we we got this studio time, and and we you know we're, we're going to do this this and this. And we rehearsed a few times at Jerry's basement or garage or whatever. And, and then uh, the studio time was booked for certain dates. And, and we went in the studio and, and uh, we recorded the songs. And I, I knew some of them better than others, quite honestly. And, uh, you know, we got through it. I think we did everything in, 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 we did the basic tracks, I think, in about two or three days. And then, like everything else, was put after that. Um, that's, that's incredible. So did you feel because you only, there was only like 30 something hours, um, what's up, Steve Berman and what's up, Pat Licata. Um, Steve, how you doing, man? Steve, your, your <laughs> bandmate, um, your other bandmate. Um, he's the one who recorded the songs for it. Um, no, the, um, the third, you had 30, there's 30 hours of studio time. Is there a sense of urgency? Are you just like, you're like, literally, what is it like? Is there like a switch? Is it like, you know, a starter pistol in the air, like ready, set, go jump in there. Um, is Dave, the, uh, engineer, Dave Achilles, I think is how you pronounce his name. Was he like, he's miking everything up. Is it like bugging the shit out of you guys? Cause you're like, we want, we need to record. Do you remember anything like that? You know, we're all young kids at this time, and 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 uh, especially me. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm like, this is how it works. We go in, we we do the songs, 
you know, just basic, basic stuff to, to get the drums down. I can actually, I can see. Uh, oh, what, what buddy, going on here? My buddy Russell gave me this. Yes. He gave me this, and there's the inside. There's the. Yes. Uh oh, Jim, you're in trouble now. <laughs> Poor Jim. Poor Jim. Maybe I should bring this down next uh, in a couple of weeks when I see Jim. Is the the Can you make studio sheets studio sheets from Static Age? There you go. There oh, it is. Gosh. You have three days, right? Those are three separate days. And how many? Robbie, break us down for the numbers. Break down oh, the numbers yeah. for us and everything. He's so it, museum. So like, um, like on this game is the The cross examination begins. It looks like on the first day, you guys did one thirty-eight first, and there was a complete like a take. Or okay. it looks like there was a complete take, an incomplete take, and then the third take was the one you guys chose. Okay. You know? Like then, like, ten bucks. Yeah. There's, there's, there's come back with C U M back. Uh, there's a false That's start. Joke I keep telling you, Robbie. <laughs> there's a false start, back. and then you guys just banged it out. I'm surprised with come back. Fucking, it's such a long song. You guys did that in one fucking. You know. Is there? One, there's only one take of come back. Yeah, it's and it's actually you could hear it on the studio at takes at the end of Static Age. There's the gym does the false, you know, like a. I think you when I showed it to you, you were like, "Oh, I messed it up. I played it on the hi hat too soon." And then you did come back how it would be on the record. How many takes are there of some kind of hate? There's there's got to be like three or four. There's fucking four of them, and each one. Yes, I knew it. Yes, and. How did you know that, Jeff? Like how did I know that? Yeah. I can't tell you how I know that, but all I can tell you, <laughs> all, all I will tell you, all I will tell you, I, I, I mean, I kind of can, I can tell you, but I can't tell you right now at, the, at this very moment, but I will say this. Okay. One of those takes, and I, I mean, you were there, Jim. I was not, but one of those takes, Glenn sings just like Elvis. She goes, some kind of love, and there's some kind of hate. Like, really, really Elvis. It's like Glenn was in the room. Yeah. Like, extra, extra Elvisy. You don't remember that at all, that he was singing super Elvisy. I would love to hear that if, if anybody has a piece of that. But. <sighs> so would I. So would I. Uh, I uh, Jim, Umberto, the guy who put out this book, says in the chat, Jim, do you have a copy of this book? If not, I could send you it. Um, I, yeah, I highlighted that. Before. I there you go. Have, I do not have a copy of that book, and and yes, I would like it. I would get like this it. man a copy of that book, pronto. <laughs> no, Umberto. That's Umberto's collection in there. Some of it, and he he helped to uh, author that very book that that uh, is being read. Also, Jeremy Dean. Shout out to Jeremy Dean and Tom B. Tom Bagow. It's the guy who did the Static Age. Um, he did Static Age and he did uh, 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 the box set. We're both we're both uh, Tom B. Uh, the design. Uh, he is the reason <laughs> why <laughs> he's why Manny is on the back <laughs> in that photo. <laughs> just just Josh and Tom B. Tom, we're just messing just messing with you. No, Tom is a genius and an awesome dude and. Uh, uh truly um his he's got some incredible stories as well and talks about 
uh, th- those tapes and whatnot. Big, sh- big, big love for Tom B. Um, for who, without Tom B, we would not have twelve hits from hell. Let's just put it that way. That's all. That's all Tom B's right. doing. So, okay. um, but okay. So, so you guys are in. You guys do three sessions. You're laying it down, as you said. You just going through it. So that's a live environment. What is the isolation like? Are you are you in an isolation booth when yeah, you're doing I'm, that I'm, stuff? I'm away from everybody else. I got the headphones, you know, and, and uh, like we spoke about before, I have to have a, a live instrument behind me to to be able to to play what I play. So I guess it was Frank that that played like just the guitar behind me, so I knew where I would be and and. Uh, I heard him in the headphones and I did what I did. And then they did what, what they did. So you're not exactly entirely live. You are, or is it just, you have just his signal in the headphones? Right. It's just like a reference for me. So it's a scratch. It's a scratch. It's a scratch. Gotcha. So I know where I'm at in the song. So of. that's interesting. So then you built up. So then the song got built up on top of those drums after Frank helped you with the the reference uh doing the scratch that's that's what i'm guessing yeah um i mean i kind of remember doing other stuff kind of live i don't know if if what we did live was used for the final right song but i remember getting cued like from glenn and stuff like you know do this and you know what i mean and and uh i don't know if what they were playing to what I was doing went on the final cut, but so he's like punching. They're like punching you in on analog tape to like do a little flourish or do a little fill or punching me in. I'm not sure about that. I mean, like, uh, like dropping you into the tape or are you doing, you're doing the take start to finish. I'm doing the take start to finish. Gotcha. Um, I'm guessing whatever they put on top of that, they kind of played behind me, you know. But again, I'm, you would have to ask those guys. For, Imagine if we could just get Glenn on here to just tell us. <laughs> well, give him a call. <laughs> That's it. Glenn! <laughs> Glenn! <laughs> um, you, no, sorry. Go ahead, Robbie. What were you going to say? Do you remember, because you're saying, like, uh, it's Frank playing. Do you remember what you guys did for Theme for a Jackal? Was Theme for a Jackal done with the piano live? Theme for a Jackal was done with the piano. Like, you played to that, I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm pretty sure I played behind the piano. Gotcha. Okay. Again, again, I don't know if that was the final piano take. It says there's only one Theme for a Jackal in the book. Okay, there's no so- other. So that maybe that, I guess that was live then. I don't know. Well, because theme yeah. for a jackal is 15 minutes. That's the length of a tape. Really? <laughs> yeah. That, that's wow. Wait, you know, I had to have somebody playing live with me to, to be able to do what I did. Whether they used what they played for the final product or they did something different on top of it, I that I don't know. Um. Do you remember Glenn playing? So here's the thing. So here's what I've read and, and heard and what people have said. To, and again, correct me on any of this and Robbie, correct me on any of this. But at the time when, so you come in, you're running through songs. Glenn's also bringing down 
brand new songs. I don't know what they were. I'm guessing maybe, and I'm not asking you to confirm because I don't know if you would know this either, but like I would imagine Static Agent and TV Casualty might be newer tracks that are that are being uh, brought in to, to, to be recorded and whatnot, but not even Frank seemed to know all of the songs going into the studio. Glenn was playing guitar? I don't remember Glenn playing guitar on, on anything that, that we released, but I, again, I could be wrong. But okay. uh, pretty much all of the songs were rehearsed before we got in the studio, as I remember. Not that I knew them well, we, but just as a run through or whatever. So when we got there, we had a, a pretty good idea of, of you know, what we were going to do. Um, from my end, I knew certain songs better than I knew other songs. And you, you can, if you listen, you can kind of hear that on, on the album because there's, no, there's stop it. songs where I don't do a lot of extra stuff. And there's some songs where I do do a lot of extra stuff. And, and that's how you know what songs I knew well and what songs I didn't know well. Wait, so so when you say that, so when you're when you're doing extra stuff, that's because you're like, oh, I know this song so well, so I'm going to do a little extra thing. I know it so well. I'm very comfortable with it, and, and I can, you know, fit stuff in it, into it. Other songs, I'm just, like, trying to get through it. So like hybrid moments, I think you told me that you kind of learned that on the fly, right? Hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but that one was was pretty uh, cut and dried. I kind of knew what I was going to do, even gotcha. after after one take of it or whatever. Um, gotcha. I'm trying. I'm trying to think songs I didn't know real well. Hybrid, hybrid moments, I didn't know real well. I, I you can hear it in my playing. I think. Um, yeah, that, that's that's what I was that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah it's kind of just like do enough to get through the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. He crushes it now. Yeah. <laughs> um. What yeah. about now? After you, forty years, trip, after you know, forty years, I learned it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now you were you now there are some songs that you are playing like you're playing really fast and you're almost like. I've heard you say this in the past that like you're kind of annoyed at yourself for playing them so fast. Explain <laughs> that. What happened? Like you, you, you're, you're, you're flushing out the song. You know, Glenn showed everybody the song, but you're flushing out the, you know, whatever. You're figuring out the drum parts and whatnot, and you play it at a at a much faster speed than maybe you can tolerate yeah. for a long period of time. And Glenn's like, "Oh, perfect. Do that every yeah, time." Yeah. And, and and from my point of view, I, I just and, and more more when we played live than in the studio, I would I would just take off and just play real fast and, and, and sometimes the song can't breathe. It's just it's just too flying by so fast that you know you know the melodies are real good and, and, and a lot of the stuff there's there's some pretty good stuff like in the background of a lot of those songs where if you go too fast, it kind of gets lost. Right. So that's, you know. Melody. Get pissed the melody person. will get lost. For, 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 yeah, exactly. For hurting that, that kind of thing. So. Um, how would you, if you, if someone was like um, making you write things down, like somebody had you at gunpoint and was like, you need to write this down and exactly the way it's supposed to be. Like, how would you describe your drum playing style? Like, 
what you're doing or what, you know, um, and I know that there are trips like, oh, that's a guy. He sits in the pocket. That's a guy who put like, like what, what, what kind of, what, what are you doing? What's your, what's your, what's a great way to describe your style? You know, all, all, all of my influences, even going back before the Misfits is old rock and roll. Um, I, I, Jim, try I, to, you, I try I, to fit into what I'm doing at the time, but, but if you strip it down, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Chuck Berry. It's, it's, uh, gotcha. Little Richard, it, it's 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 old rock and roll. That's that's where I learned how to play the drums. Jim, I know who you sound like for drums. Dino <laughs> Danelli. Dino. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, you do. My favorite drummer, yeah. Well, who would I have to? What what do I have to listen to to hear Dino Danelli? Uh, recommend something. Listen to the Rascals. Okay, Rascals. There you go. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um. Now, the other compound part of the question that got lost in the ether as we've been just going on and on and on and talking um, from Lodi, Lodi is eight miles outside of New York City, something like that. Uh, you were said, even though you are in a different state, I would I think of Bergen County townships are suburbs. They're suburbs of New York City as well. Right. Bless you, Robbie. Bless you, Robbie. Thank you. you. Uh, uh, kind of. Um... It's eight hard miles to New York City. From right, there. right. Yeah, thank uh, you for the clarification. <laughs> eight hard miles. But the, the reason why I'm bringing this up of proximity is uh, punk rock or this, you know, oh. this underground counterculture music that is slowly uh, evolving into what would be known as your, your, your standard punk rock is formulating in the city. You guys are musicians out in New Jersey. Do you remember, you know, from your POV, like punk rock permeating into your, into suburbia or how it was sort of influencing musicians or what was going on in that kind of way. I think it's less that it permeated than, than we seeked it out. Gotcha. Because, because you could go to bars in New Jersey and and hear bands doing, you know, uh, cover songs of, stuff you've heard a million times and, and you just don't want to hear it anymore. So, I mean, every, every weekend, you know, let, who's who's playing at Max's? Who's playing at CB? Let's go in the city and, and you know, see something different because, the you know, the music in New Jersey at the time was, was just, it was all covers and, you know, if you didn't feel like driving, then you'd go and listen. But other than that, you went to the city. What um Tell me about the prestige of of playing Max's Kansas city as a working band, you know, um, because like, I don't, I feel like this is, doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it does, it's always existed since, but you know, in the seventies and, and also the sixties, but the seventies and the eighties, like you, you know, this idea of being a gigging band, non touring gigging band, you know what I'm saying? You go into the city, you go for your gig and you do that multiple times in the week and that's how you're making money right like or that you could be making money i mean you know you're not really making much money but you know uh, even back then you you know it was prestigious to be able to play at max's probably the best place i've ever played as far as clubs go what do you remember about that do you remember glenn was glenn like we did it we got into max's kansas city he brought do you, do you remember any of that, any of that process? No, I mean, we were all like that. I mean, you know, we had gone to Max's 
for years before we were even, you know, doing this. And, and uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty big. It was a pretty big deal to play at Max's. Yeah. Did, um, did now when you guys were doing band stuff, was it just like Glenn would go off and do stuff and be like, call you guys up and be like, all right, now we're doing this and doing this and doing this. Or was there like, is there band discussions like, Hey band, what should we do? Should we go and do this sort of thing? And blah, blah, blah. Like what, what's going on there? Well, you know, I mean, it was pretty much uh, the songs were Glenn's, you know, I, unless Jerry helped him. I don't know, but I certainly didn't help write anything. Um, what was that process I, like? I think that that the that the drum parts that I added were were uh, would not have been added by a different drummer. For sure. So but, he gets I, the songs. You know, the songs are all going. Yeah. Right, but like that, I guess that goes with the territory of being the songwriter. You put you bring your unique drum part that you created, and he go he picks it like out of a buffet style. Goes, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, there it is. That's it. That's in the song. And blah blah blah. There and then there you go. That's the song. Yeah, well, kind of. You know. I mean, you know. You're showing me the song. I'm playing the drums to it. This is what you get. You like it or you don't like it. If you don't like it, then we try something else. You know. Do you remember a guy, George Germain, that lived across the street from Jerry? Yeah, yeah I remember George. Uh -huh. What do you remember about George Germain? Tell me about him. Well, he was kind of. Uh... What would you call him? The fifth misfit? I mean, he, he like behind the scenes did like a lot of stuff to help everybody. Um, exactly what he did, I don't know, but I know he was important. And I, I think he was good friends with Jerry and, and uh, his family. Right, right, right. But, I mean, Exactly. Exactly what he did. I don't know, but I know he was helpful because everybody said so. Yeah. Um, the garage at the Kayafa residence where you guys rehearsed um, was that kind of like? I guess all Misfits fans kind of think of that as like the clubhouse or like the place, the headquarters. Was it? Was that sort of the the gist, or was it more like Glenn's basement is the headquarters? Were you spending a lot of time at Glenn's? house you're spending more time at jerry's house doing misfits no, no, much more time at jerry's jerry had more room he had the garage um excuse me we 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 did most of our rehearsing at jerry's gotcha um and then what happens when you guys started to like randomly play out right like you're you're going out to detroit you went up to canada a couple of times what is behind this impetus it's like you're playing max's kansas city regularly and you're sort of like you you're contempt i mean if you look at who your contemporaries are in 1978 i mean it's really impressive so why are you now and a lot of those bands that are your contemporaries they're not doing what you're doing they're not hopping in a car and driving to detroit or driving to canada or whatever or ohio why are you guys doing that well well for, first of all just to to play different places you know and expose what we were doing to, to other markets. And a good amount of the other bands we were playing with at the time, I believe had records out, which which they were supporting and, and, and uh, Static Age had not come out yet. Was Bullet out by that point? Say again? Was Bullet out by that point? I don't think it was. No, 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 I'm wrong. Bullet, 
the single was the the EP was released when we were still playing at Max's. Gotcha. Gotcha. But we we didn't have an album, you know. So, I mean, I I thought it was good policy to to try and and show our wares elsewhere. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, did. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember Peter Crowley at all from Max's Kansas City or like? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you remember of Peter or just like what was his deal? Well, he 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 pretty much booked all the bands. Um, I actually got to know him a little bit better after the Misfits when I was playing in in Aces and Eights and and uh, Richard was pretty good friends with him. Richard was our singer in Aces and Eights, so I, I got to know him a little better after that, but. He was kind of the guy at Max's. Shout out to Richard Riley, who was the uh, singer in The Victims and also filled in a couple of times with The Misfits. Exactly. Um, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in one second, but that's interesting. So uh, that makes sense, too, because Richard was working for Peter. He was working at Max's, right? Or he was doing something at Max's at some point. I forget he what. He might have been before I was involved when he was still in the victims, but but uh, that's the first I'm hearing of that, but I'm sure it's true. Um, so what happens? You get these gigs up in Canada. Um, Frank exits the picture, and what? Where's he going? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I know, I know. I was just thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that I was asking you a question. You were getting up out of the frame. I was like, no! Jim, don't go! <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff. I'm out of here. Fuck you, Jeff. I had enough of your fucking interrogations. Fucking setting me up live on the internet. Robbie's busting out books. So, um, this day, um, this day, this we did we did three takes of some kind of hate. Poor Jim. Poor fucking Jim. Yes. There you go. Blue ribbon. Blue ribbon. Um. Okay. Okay. You got it. Um, thank you, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie is bearing poor, poor uh, Mr. Jim to uh, so as he as he sits he here, <laughs> as he sits here for the umpteenth time, being interrogated about a project he was in involved with for ten months of his life. Poor guy, poor fucking guy. No, years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, like like fucking like over forty years ago, um, almost. Uh, okay, let's talk about. So there's Canada. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Frank is out of the picture by this point. And you got Rick riding up with you to mm -hmm. do these dates. He's learning the songs in the car on well, the way up there in the back of the truck. Yep. So who's who's dry. Tell me about this ride up. Are you are you sitting there like patting on like your your thighs to like help him? Like what's going on? Is he just having a, a, an acoustic? How is this working? You know, I, I'm trying to help him, but I I don't know any guitar chords, so I can't help him that much. Um, Jerry is driving. Glenn, I believe, is riding shotgun. I'm in the back with with uh, with Rich uh, and and Billy Cange, our roadie, roadie extraordinaire, great man. Um, and we're basically playing poker for cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how is so is Glenn just like turning back? Rick, play the songs again. Do it again. Like you know, like how is he? How is he learning these songs? And you know, Rick is a singer. 
He's not like, I mean, I know he plays guitar too, but he's kind of more of like a front man, no? So he's like, it's this yeah, weird time. Rick, Rick's a front man. He, he's a kind of an underrated guitar player. He's a pretty good guitar player. And, and uh, from, I guess from the point of view of a guitar player, maybe the songs aren't that hard. I don't know because I don't play guitar. But he, I mean, he picked it up and, and we did the shows and he was fine. He was great. Um, do you remember if he was offered a spot uh, to uh, after Frank had, had exited the band? So was he offered um, a spot in the band? That I'm not sure of. Um, he should have been. He, he was he was good enough. Um, but again, I, I can't say yes or no to that. I, I don't know. Um do you remember the girl's house you stayed at up in Canada? No, I don't. Okay. I remember being in a hotel in Canada. I don't remember being in a girl's house. Do you, do you remember um, the, what the situation was with beer? Like there was, you had trouble trying to get some beer. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Tell me about the beer. You can't go. You can't go to the liquor store for beer after a gig in Canada. You got to go to a bootlegger, basically. That's all municipal. And and, and uh, we we bought a case of Molson after the gig to bring back to the hotel or the, or the girl where we were staying. I don't know. And uh, we had the case of beer in the back of the truck, and and Jerry, I guess, was driving, took a bad turn, and and the case of beer went down and. <laughs> no, no more Molson's for us in Canada after that. Oh no! <laughs> no, that's so terrible. Um, did you now? There were some other songs. Like, do you remember playing any Stooges songs? Do you remember playing "I Got a Right"? I got a right, right to move. No, no. That, do you remember play? That might be after I was gone. I don't know, but no. I, I I don't think I ever played that. Do you remember playing um, Wild Thing? The Trogs? The old Trog song? Yeah. I, it possibly. I don't know if it was with them. I'm, I'm sure I played it in my time, but... Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Wait, 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 what do you know, Jeff? <laughs> I, I mean, suppose... I That's all. Just, just supposedly... Listen, again... I, I could be wrong. I, I supposedly you 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 guys played Wild Thing uh, once. Now we have talked a I bunch of times. The question, but I you know just because I don't remember it doesn't mean it didn't happen or it did happen. Now now many um many years ago I don't even remember when I I um I came to you and I was like, do you remember playing this Doors tribute thing? And you were like, yeah, I remember. But, like, you don't remember much about it. I know, um, yeah, I, I know I played it. I don't remember a lot of the details. I know that that I uh, Barry from the Victims played. I know that Jerry was there. I know that Glenn was there. What, what songs we did, I don't remember. Um, do you remember playing Touch Me? I don't. Do you remember playing Changeling? I've been told I played Changeling. So, <laughs> well, you know you played Changeling. You just don't remember playing Changeling. Okay. Um. So, okay, that's interesting. And then, um, what about so? 
also at this time so this is we're getting to a part where right before the you know the the horror business era of things is gonna is starting to or is going to take hold but these songs were not written when joey image and bobby Steele entered the band those songs had already existed a few of them did yeah a few of them did Mm -hmm. what do you remember um playing i played uh, um where eagles there speaking of where eagles there that I went to see Jackass today, and fucking yes! there, was, there yes! was the finale scene of Jackass. It made me cry. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking awesome. That song is like that. That is like such like I, there is like a real I don't know what it is, and that was like an army themed sketch. Yeah, and there's yeah. something that's very I don't know if it's because Where Eagles Dare is like an army movie. But it really is kind of you just kind of imagine like a bunch of guys rushing the battlefield with I ain't no goddamn son. like just like you know charging out. Um, well, you but know, we, a, we 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 still cover it to this day, but we do it as a blues now. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah we did. We were, we did it at the last show as like a blues number. Yeah, is that on YouTube? No, uh, it will be. Not yet. It will okay. Be. All right. You hear that, people? Keep your wait, eyes peeled. <laughs> no, that's so cool. I really want to hear that. As uh, Bobby has done a version of of London Dungeon as Delta Dungeon, which I have on my channel. Seek that, check that out, people. It's really cool arrangement. Oh, that's great. Does he play like slide guitar and stuff on it? He doesn't do slide guitar, but it's like this. It's like really, really cool. And he had done like a demo on MySpace. And then when I had interviewed him, I said, Bobby, I had my camera. I said, Bobby, you got to do it. And so he did it just like haphazardly, like super raw, unrehearsed. Um, it, it's really, it's really something else. And, um, so I'm very interested to hear a, a blues version of where Eagles dare. And speaking of Bobby Steele, there was, you know, there's a picture of you guys together. There was a joke that you, Rick, uh, Frank and Bobby would form a band called the unfits. The unfits. Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah. All the guys that had like played with the misfits at one time would be the unfits. How serious it would have, was it would have that? Been a hell of a band, yeah. It would have been a hell of a band. It was strictly a joke. Yeah. It was ever. strictly it was strictly a joke. That yeah. is uh, a shame because I feel like the unfits have a, a little niche in this world that would be that everybody would love and enjoy. Yeah, it would have been fun. Yeah, but it would have been fun. It would have been just, fun. Just just talk. Yeah. Just talk, but. Okay, so now here's what I and again, like I, I know, like you have been like incredible tonight. So many interesting, awesome little nooks and crannies and details that all of us little misfits nerds go, oh, so delicious! Yum 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 yum. <laughs> like we're just loving that. Yay! Woo! Well, thank you. <laughs> Squeezing more blood from Jim Stone. <laughs> but um, you've but, got plenty of blood left. <laughs> right, right. Um, but what's interesting? Here's what I want to know, or here's what I'd imagine. So, like, what? Up until this point, the band is doing some horror-related stuff. Like, I mean, you have a song called Return of the Fly, which isn't horror. It's more, I guess it's more schlocky. By the way, do you remember? So what was the deal with the backing vocals? The, is that you? No, it's all Glenn. That's all Glenn. All Glenn, yep. Mm -hmm. 
That's all. So nobody else. There, that was not a gang vocal sort of. Nope. All blend, like layer in it, whatever, whatever you do to to make it sound like a lot of people. It's so yeah. weird because, like, I just don't imagine Glenn. That I can't imagine Glenn doing that at all. It's uh, it's a real interesting track. But tracks like that, Teenagers from Mars, like things, all the stuff that's on Static Age is like a commentary on like um, America, in some way, yeah. shape, or form. It's, it's, right? It's like it's like fifty sci-fi pop culture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Hollywood Babylon, Bullet, how, um, you know, just like all these different. We were talking about theme for a jackal. We've done uh, Jim. This is would probably like if you, if you want to like torture Jim to find out more misfits information, just put him in a room with <laughs> with the, this playing on replay. Myself, Russell, Casualty, and Robbie, uh, for two and a half hours dis- di- dissecting the lyrics. Of TV casualty. <laughs> Please, no more. I can't hear. It. I can't hear it anymore. No, but we sat there like dissecting the lyric. You know, like theme for a jackal is about like um the can uh, also like you know Ted Kennedy and stuff and just like all this different stuff. But now there's like a shift. Like yeah, Static Age is about like television rotting our brains. You know, like that sort of thing. But now there's like a shift, and the songs are starting to change. How would you best describe it? Or what do you remember from that time and that shift? And at the same time, you're also playing in Continental Crawler the entire time you're in the Misfits, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how does all of that sort of come together for you to make decisions that you ultimately end up making? Well, you know, that's uh, that's a hard question. Um I wasn't crazy about the direction that we were going in the Misfits for my personal tastes. It, it was becoming more and more hardcore and and I'm not so hardcore. Continental Crawler, we were doing more like rock and roll type stuff and, and, and uh, different, different time signatures, different uh, ways of playing. It was more interesting music to me at the time. So I went, I went in that direction. So what does that, how, what does that look like? You just call up the guys go, guys, uh, listen, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, this is the direction I want to go in. It's been fun. Bye-bye. Pretty much. Um, I helped audition my replacements. Um, I auditioned Joey Image. Yeah, and I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, 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 and 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 a few other drummers whose names I don't remember, and and uh, you know, I I would go up and play the songs and show them what I was doing, and they would do whatever they were doing. And I mean, it was all their decision, but I was there to to show them stuff, you know. And uh, that's crazy. That, that was, you know, the final decision was had I had nothing to do with, but. So you were there. So you were like really like exiting the band in the right way of like, you know, like uh, well, helping. Yeah. I tried, you know, I, I, I didn't want to leave anybody, you know, totally high and dry, whatever right. you want to say. Yeah. Very. That's very admirable. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's the right way to do it. You know, if you're going, if you're doing it amicably 
and um and you went on with a uh, continental crawler put out some stuff mm-hmm. yeah, we put we, out we recorded a lot of stuff yeah mm-hmm. um and what was that process like is it like the the band that band's uh democracy was different than say the misfits which was what was the misfits primarily it's glenn and then where's jerry fit in that paradigm <laughs> uh well i mean jerry did what he did you know yeah 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 yeah. um jerry, is jerry jerry yeah, was sorry. a bass player uh he knew what he was doing and and i guess what he did fit in with what they wanted and and uh you know there's there's no uh totally I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, Jerry did that. I'm not going to say that. No, of course not. Listen, I lo- I'll tell you something. Jerry's bass playing is is really something else. I mean, especially for a new, he was a new bassist. And he's plucking those oh, strings. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. He was plucking turkeys, okay. man. I mean, just. A lot, a lot of the runs he was doing, you know, back then, yeah. Static Age era, I think are better, sorry, Jerry, than what he did later when everything got real fast. Because he couldn't do the the flourishes, yeah. the flourishes. Good one, good one. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. That makes a lot of sense. Um, do you remember? Uh, yeah, that's that's the perfect way to put it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like the plucking. He's plucking strings, and later on, it just he's just mashing string. Is you know he knew how to do the runs and 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 make things interesting, but. I mean, later in the game, everything just got so fast. I guess there was no yeah, opportunity to put it in. I mean, I'm not a bass player, but right here. You know. So now, what is things like in Continental Crawler like in terms of that? Is, is there is that like um, more of like a three musket, four musketeers sort of situation? Like in terms yeah. of like everybody's making decisions. Everybody's making decisions. A lot of arguing. You know, uh, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, that kind of stuff. But we got along, and, and we were together for a good long time, and and we played a lot, and uh, I thought we were pretty good. Continental Crawler was you, Stevie, and then who? Uh, Charlie Jones on guitar. And right. Mike Myers. Basically. So really, that was a lot of what Pony was. Kinda. There was no me, and there was no Mike Myers. So Stevie and Pony, but we, so basically, we but we had Stevie Stevie Lynn and Mike Myers were both songwriters, so they all it was kind of like you know uh, Lennon McCartney. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? You know, we had Mike's songs. We had Stevie's songs. Gotcha. Do you do you remember uh, the Pony Pony, which stands for Prostitutes of New York? Do you remember those those gigs? Was that like a big deal? Because it was like a sort of like a one off thing. I remember their existence. I never saw them. Gotcha. Do you remember scuba suits? I saw pictures. <laughs> Is there oxygen tanks to go with the scuba suits? <laughs> They weren't in that much detail. <laughs> You'd have to ask Glitter. Jeff, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there was oxygen tanks, Jeff. Shut up. Um, they were in the neoprene. <laughs> right. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got to tell you, this is, uh, this is actually the perfect time to take a, a small sponsor break. I really want to oh. thank 
Jim so much. And it's very nice to meet you, Jamie. It's glad I'm glad to have you here as well. And Robbie, um, uh, just this has been a solid broadcast. I just want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor as well as tell you, if you're enjoying this content, please subscribe to the channel. This is how the channel grows. So it'd be really, really great if you could subscribe, like this video, leave a comment. Um, if you want to know, if you want more Misfits minutia, like the stuff you're hearing, join the Patreon where I like I've, I'm putting up all sorts of outtakes and clips sort of like this, where we're just talking about these little itty bitty titty things that nobody gives a shit about except for us. So check that out. And if you want to support the creation of this content, buy a coffee. You can do that. Go to Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi.com. But let me tell you about our sponsor, RiotStickers.com. Uh, Robbie knows all about Riot Stickers. They are phenomenal. And I'm going to add, I will say, um, Robbie's, Robbie's um, CD is also our sponsor tonight. So make sure you go to RobbieBloodshed.com where you can get the brand new single featuring Jamie and Mr. Jim. Cheers for fears. Go and support independent music, guys. But now back to RiotStickers.com. Yes, RiotStickers.com is the uh, the 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 uh, company that powers the Frumus channel. You can see it right down there, RiotStickers.com. We're running a special promotion. When you use the promo code Frumus, that's my last name, the name of this channel, F-R-U-M-E-S-S, you get 50% off uh, this incredible, valuable deal. Normally, it's $59.50. And you can get for 50% off, it's $29.50. I'm just butchering the crap out of this one tonight. I'm so sorry, uh, Josh. Josh Sharpie. I'm so sorry. It's 53 inch by three inch stickers at RiotStickers.com. The link is in the description down below. Um, let's watch the video with the song from the guy from Less Than Jake. Um, it's a great song. Uh oh. Oh, he, he cried. Now we're gone. Cut, yeah. No. no. <laughs> Holy fuck, that well, was so scary. You guys, <laughs> I thought we lost everybody. Did we? No, I don't know. Holy you just appeared. Scary. That was scary. Oh, I don't know what just happened, but it freaked me the fuck out. All right, hold on. Let's do the sticker thing. Wow, that was freaky deaky. Riotstickers.com. Link is in the description. You get 50 stickers, three inches by three, three inches, 29.50. Best in the business. Make sure you check it out. RobbieBloodshed.com. And the surfing cretino. Sure, why not? 
That's why there we're you gonna, go. We're there you get go. Our stickers done by uh, RyanSticker.com. Oh, you did. Oh, oh, oh. No, I, I was wondering why you were showing that. I got you. I got you. Yes. Yes. No. Awesome. Super awesome. Uh, oh, you did with the coupon code. Yes, yes, awesome. Yeah, yeah. we know. Jeff. Yes, we're gonna say we know. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. That's dude. Yeah, dude. So, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Awesome. That's super sick. Um, let's. We're 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 winding down here. We're gonna be landing the airplane soon. I want to thank again. I want to thank Mr. Jim. I want to thank Robbie. I want to thank Jamie for being on the show. It's so. This has been so awesome. This will go down as one of my favorite episodes of the show thus far. We've done 93 episodes. Can you believe that, guys? We're approaching yeah. two years. Two years of just, hey, let me just go on the internet and talk because I never shut the fuck up. I'm just going to start <laughs> talking. There's nobody else to listen to me, so I might as well just talk but, at the internet. It's like talking at the ocean. I got to tell you that like, when I'm like like late at night on a, on a weekend, I end up on your channel quite a bit. Oh. I, I appreciate yeah, that, Jamie. Robbie introduced me to it. He was like showing me some documentaries last time he was down, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is like a good like, like catch up, check in." Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I I'm a like longtime listener, first time caller. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> that is that is that that I am glad to hear. There's one more. There's one more thing we have to talk about before we get. We're gonna do a little bit of Q and A for our people in the comments because it's so. There are so many people that turned out for this. Bring We're going to bring him on. Jim is almost done with his marathon sprint. <laughs> he'll, he'll take forever to recover from this. <laughs> He's going to put it like a big friggin' like a big sack of ice cubes on his forehead, lie in a darkened room on a long velvet couch. Yeah. Oh, all those questions. No. Um. So, so now, Here's what I'm curious to hear from and, and from this POV. Um, the decade, the years go on, decades go on, and this thing, this little thing that you were a part of, I mean, they didn't even have the Crimson Skull logo yet, the Crimson Ghost yet. All of a sudden, this little thing starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, what? Let me ask you this question. When did you, because I'm trying to think of like when you might become um, uh, aware of it on a national level. When was the first time that you remember seeing Metallica wearing a misfit shirt and being like, Oh shit, that's the misfits. Well, I mean, I quite honestly, um, I don't really follow Metallica. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I can't, I mean, I'm sure I was told about it, but if you want, if you want a, a date, I, I couldn't give you a date. Do you remember, do you remember when, you saw people like first, you know, really wearing right. the Crimson Ghost, like. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot later, you know. Um, when when you said Jeff, it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It it was not getting bigger and bigger and bigger for a long time. Un until probably the mid to late nineties, and and uh, then it, then it started growing again. Like did Static Age really get your attention? Well, the box set and all okay, that, okay. that stuff, the, the sense, box. Yeah. that's kind of when it started to build again. So it, it was a it was a long time between when I left and, and when it started becoming, I guess, important. Good word. I don't know. Um, no, I think that's I think that's the an appropriate word. And, you know, we say Metallica, but also, I mean, Glenn has now started the band Danzig. 
Right. Mother, I'm sure you were. Mother ninety three must have been on your radar, even just from being a, from a local Lodi level. No, yeah, no, it was it was definitely on my radar. Yeah, right. So I mean, and then with that brings brings about like you know, um, pushing that into uh, pushing the the band the the misfits into the spotlight. So you slowly, it's like you watch that grow, and then like the impossible eventually, many many years down the right line. The impossible happens, and those two dudes like friggin' are playing shows together again. Like, it's crazy, right? Like, but, but, but let me let me ask you: after all this time that passes, right, from when when the stuff was actually done till till the reunions or whatever, doesn't that kind of make it a nostalgia act? <sighs> I mean, what what do the fans think? Okay. So other than the fact that it's so great that that they were, you know, enemies for years and they got together again after all this time and and I'm I'm sure everybody's happy about it is is it really something current, something, you know, that that's that's making move now or is it a nostalgia act? I I I don't think I understand why you're using the terminology nostalgia act. Like right. it makes sense. Uh-huh. I wouldn't use, I wouldn't necessarily use that terminology to express that because here's the thing, Too harsh. And, you know, we've been, we, we've been speculating for years. Like, are they, are they going to do a new album? Or are they not going to do a new album? Blah, blah, blah. blah. They're probably never going to do a, a new album. It's they're exactly. just going to keep, they're just going to keep doing the same songs and they're not even doing like the entire body of work, they're only doing like the same 30 songs that they're doing. So in that way, yes, it's totally 100% a nostalgic. However, it's also sort of the ultimate culmination of what this thing has been slowly evolving into. Cause you look at the misfits and you see the three of them up there, you know, with Dave Lombardo and it's just kind of like, it is a far cry from that static age band, like that thing has changed. It's evolved. As we've said, I've said this a bunch of times on the channel. The Misfits is not one band. The Misfits is like five bands. I hear you. Both, both visually and musically. And so what we're seeing now is the evolution, like the final, like the, the, the ultimate culmination of that last version of that band when Doyle joins the band and it's the two brothers and the sound, you know, I asked Bobby Steele, I was like, so what happened after you left sonically? He's like, how did the, I said, Bobby, how did the music evolve? He goes, I don't know if it evolved it more like it devolved, you know, uh-huh. like as you were saying, you were saying it, Jim, that they, the songs got faster. The melody gets lost. It's harder for Glenn, Glenn singing attitude and horror business in 1983. And the songs are so fast, Robo. Robo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Robo's doing his like his bus driver drumming r- routine, and there's he's moving at such a breakneck speed that the um the identity of the playing of the music like it loses all meaning. Like you just don't even know what's happening anymore. It's a different band from what that Static Age band was. Yeah, no, I, I I understand everything you're saying there, and and. Uh... I agree with it, but is it a is it an ultimate? I I would have liked to seen them once they reunited, even if they just 
recorded a new single or something. Just something to, to take it to the next level. Here's the pro. Okay, so here's the other problem with this, and this is something we've also talked about ad nauseum on this channel. Unfortunately, the notion that it's the idea of like, how do you like evolve as an artist and then go back to a place that you're no longer at? So Danzig goes from being Glenn Danzig in the Misfits to yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah he, he took doing the Sam Hain thing, and then he's doing the dance thing. It's like now I have to think. Right, he's he's not that anymore. He's but, not but, that anymore. And Glenn Danzig, but he's performing as it. Yeah, right. And no matter what you think about Glenn Danzig as a person, as a musician, as anything, that guy is true to himself. And whatever yeah. he does, there's authenticity in what he's trying to do. And so therefore, he's not going to sit there and try. Probably and probably, you know, and again, does Glenn is Glenn Danzig afraid of anything? Who knows? But like you'd imagine the 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 pressure, the fear of trying to do something that could live up to all of that stuff back then. And in a way that is meaningful to his crowd, there's just like it's like all they can do is be that nostalgia thing but ultimately what i what i look at it as when i see them you know uh, uh selling out madison square garden it's like what a punk band doing that it's like that's just the ultimate version of that band that particular version of that band doing the thing you know doing the that thing and um i don't think it can really grow it can't grow anymore from that it can it's it's not um it's not something that's alive it's something that's been reanimated well, that too, but it's like something that's reanimated can't grow anymore. It can only do be that thing. Something yeah. that's growing is going to evolve. Something that's alive is going to keep aging and changing and blah, 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 blah. And so the misfits, just like the, the, the horror persona that they encompass, they are a reanimated corpse doing this thing. That's fucking awesome that we all love that we've, you know, it's, it's fucking great. And I love it, but it's never like if they were, if Glenn, the only way Glenn could write a new album would be to go into that trunk of songs that he, that supposedly he had and pulling out. Okay. I'll do this one. This one from 1977, this old thing, you know, um, let me ask you when you guys were do songs, is Glenn, does Glenn have it all in his head? Does he have anything written down on paper when he's showing, showing stuff to Frank and you and, and Jerry, or is he just sort of like, it goes like this. Okay. No, that's good. Like, what is, like, how does that work? Well, I mean, you know, it, it goes like this and, and uh, he, he was competent enough on the guitar to show us, you know, it, it goes here, 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 whatever, whatever the chords are. I don't know. Right. And, and, uh, it becomes a song, you know. This is this is what I want, etc. And and uh, this is what it turns into. Um, right. I think everybody had had a, had an input as far as what they were doing on their particular instrument, and maybe it wasn't exactly what was in his head, but it was close enough where was acceptable you know i don't i don't know what the right words are but i mean you know whatever it was it it, it turned out great and and 
he's the one that sold it and he's the one that put it together so song like come back like did you did he say like oh we need like a drum intro and you just started doing like uh what you do for comeback in the intro like how does something like that happen? i probably did it on my own um and and it was either uh i feel like that's very you accepted you know I mean? or, or not accepted and, and i guess it was accepted I, you know what I always think of Jim in Jim's like iconic playing. I always think of like um, I don't know like hi hat stuff on all those songs that that like yeah no but yeah like it's just you just um I don't know not a hi hat what is that okay wait which not the one that's like the two not this one the uh the other one the ride. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, the writing. Ting, 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 ting. Like I just feel like on she, I love the drums on that second version of she is like that. You know, you're doing these like crazy little fills. You know, um, and talk about. Would you say that's you playing to the lyric, playing to the vocal, like trying to like pop, put something every which way? Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm. I'm trying to to do something a little bit interesting in, in, in between whatever little break there is. Um, that's my old rock and roll roots, you know. It's awesome. Like if you listen to like a lot of old rock and roll, you'll hear a lot of that type of stuff. So, so I try to put that in and, and just uh, not be bored playing, quite frankly. <laughs> quite frankly. Um, I like to I like to do stuff in songs when I'm playing them. I don't like to just you know, boop, 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 boop. well even when we're writing is, new stuff. Yeah, yeah which is with a lot of yeah. a lot of punk rock is just you know yeah. do the four four and get through it. And I I, I you know that's not that's the way why I, I like that's why I like your drumming in punk rock. That's why I have you you know like on Cheers <laughs> because you add shit that punk rock drummers don't normally add. That's what makes it unique. You know. Well, yeah, again, that's that's what I try to do, and then it's it's uh, it, it it like the punk rock at the time was just a vehicle. I'm 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 just a rock and roll drummer, and, and if I can fit it into what people are doing and it sounds okay, then great. Yeah. But you know what's interesting, and to to to, to do a giant circle back, we got to get to the Q and A because it's getting late. But the um the the to circle back. You know, we talked about at the beginning about how, like, you were talking about how, like, playing things, like, uh, how everybody interprets it a certain way and gives it a certain feel. But, like, a prime example is, say, like, again, I'm not knocking Dave Lombardo, who is perfect for that version of the band. He's perfect for that version of the band, like, hands down. Not saying that that's not the case. However, there is he's, – he's not – there's there is something that is missing from so, not all the songs like the Earth AD stuff he does really well, but like definitely that early stuff, it doesn't feel it feels like there's something missing, you know it feels like it's not it feels like there's a short there's he's shortcutting some of the stuff and I don't know if that's because of the speed that they're well, playing at, but I mean, that you know that's I mean I even shortcut a lot of the songs now because I'm just older and I'm not as fast as I used to be. Well, so, I mean, it could be that I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, whatever it is, he I mean, he, he gets through it. And, and, and it, it, yeah, it, it does the job. 
Yeah. yeah, listen, he's doing a stellar job. Don't want to take away from him. Right. However, yeah. I, I, I just and, you know, I think you need to give yourself a little bit more credit because when I listen to those songs of the three of you guys playing, like for sure, like I hear a difference in the drum part. One hundred percent. Like it, to me, I feel it feels more authentic and I'm really not trying to blow smoke up your ass or anything. I'm saying like it sounds like the part that I know from the album. All right, well, you know, you have a good ear. Yeah. <laughs> so I I mean, maybe sometimes. Um, Robbie, is there anything else that you would like to add before we sort of open up to Q&A? Anything that you want to particularly chime in on or weigh in on? Um, you know, I usually don't rack Jim's brain. This is probably this is probably mostly racked your brain, right, Jim? Pretty yeah, much. I, I, I showed some restraint because I, I could get nerdy on you. Um, this was the one place. This was the place. Yeah, Jim, exactly. I feel like Jim was prepared for it. Jim knew. Get the fuck up, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. Um, all right. One question. Do you remember? Do you remember any of the songs uh, that they were playing with many, like, uh, like uh, what? What are the ones like Infant Stranger, like Harpies in the Night? Do you remember playing any of those? Infant Stranger, Heartbeats in the Night? Is that Stuff like that, or uh, um, like I'm trying to think what are the, the song titles from um, Infant Stranger, Harpies in the Night, Lullaby, West End Avenue, Drive yeah, Me. West End Avenue, I remember. Uh, the other ones, I may have just not known the titles. I don't, mm. I don't know. So you, do you remember playing like stuff that was prior to Static Age with them when you first joined? I don't. Th I don't think there's anything that I played that wasn't on Static Age in any of the live shows, other than later, you know. But gotcha. nothing earlier. West End gotcha. Avenue sticks out. I rem I kind of remember that. But and do you remember, oh, you do remember that one? Being Freelanders or your? Oh, that's something. Okay, so that's another interesting thing. So you learned feline nursery, and then that gets changed at the last moment in the studio. Now, here's what's interesting about this. This is what I want to know. And there's all sorts of like, you know, oh, someone bumped into a machine, which means we had to change the song, which I don't understand why that would mean that you would change a song. There was a song called Feline Nursery. Right. Out, right? Mm-hmm. So what? So what? Glenn, right on the spot in the studio, is like, I gotta change that up. Is that pressure? Is that Glenn applying the pressure? Is that someone else saying, Glenn, we gotta change the song? Like, why? Well, I I don't think anybody could apply pressure to Glenn at that time. <laughs> right. But I I honestly really don't remember. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. Cool. Um, Jamie, is there anything you want to add super quick? We're going to go to Q&A. Anything you want uh, to say? I, sh I should have been taking notes. Um, anecdotally, <laughs> uh, we'll leave this open-ended. How's that sound? Like if you okay. this again? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. And again, I want to thank, I want to thank Mr. Jim, Robbie, Jamie for being on RobbieBloodshed.com. Yada, yada, yada. We're going to wind down now with a little bit of Q&A. We could take a couple questions. If you have questions, I'm not going back up through these comments. There's The comments are crazy. Throw your questions now. If you have a question you want to ask, 
I will uh, that we that I know we didn't cover. If we covered it in the thing, I'm not gonna friggin' um, at, we're not gonna make poor Jim answer it again. Um, <laughs> so if anybody wants to ask you know, a question, yeah. yeah. If anybody wants to ask a question, now we just did hey, the hey, feline Jeff, nursery static age. Jeff, by the way, thank you for having me. It, it was oh. a lot. Yeah. Bro, yeah, I'm your show. I mean, I, I really enjoy your content. So, props. Um, Dag, thank you. Thank you, Jim. And, uh, thank you for being on. Like I said, thank you for being that the first dude to say yes to an interview. And, uh, I can't believe that it's 12 years later and we're doing this online. It's pretty cool. It is. Um, it is cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, dagger love, uh, longtime supporter of the show dagger love and Loki, Loki, Lodi locale. That was a weird tongue twister. Wants to know if you walk the streets of Lodi at night, Jim. Sweet <laughs> Pete. Now or then? <laughs> now or then? We already, Jeff, we already talked then, about George Germain. We already talked then, about George Germain. Go back. Then, then no problem. Now I haven't been to Lodi in, in I don't know how many years, but I would walk the streets of Lodi if I were there now. Yes. I don't know why Mr. Jim <laughs> would know this, but I'm going to, I'll put the question up. Uh, was Jerry only a good football player? Do you know that? Do you know, Mr. Jim? <laughs> I, I know that Jerry was a football player. Uh, Lodi Ram. Well, um, how good he was, I, I don't know because I don't follow him that closely. Yeah. I'm sure um, he was good, though. I'm sure he was. I'm having trouble <laughs> highlighting these questions. Uh, Brett wants to know, uh, are there any specifics on the symbols used? Uh, that that's it. That's the question. Any specifics on the symbols used? On cheers for fears or on? on I don't know. Hello, on on static age, I have no clue. It was, <laughs> it was whatever I was provided in the studio. I'm sure they were fine symbols. Um, cheers for fears. Use my Zildjian. Have wonderful yeah, yeah, symbols. Zildjian and Meinl, yeah. Yeah. I had to bring my Zildjian in the suitcase, and in uh, it fit <laughs> in my girlfriend's pink suitcase. Also in that suitcase, I brought some Parmesan cheese and some vodka sauce from Lodi, yeah. and TSA <laughs> went through it. Holy cow! Symbols and Parmesan cheese. All right. Exactly. I think TSA and TSA left a note that they went through it because they probably thought the Parmesan cheese was something else going through the X-ray thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, God knows what's in that parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just cheese. Yeah. All right, we have John. This is John Steinheimer, aka uh, Evil Heim from the band Voice of Doom. John is a ginormous, yeah, ginormous yeah. Misfits fan, uh, loyal uh, listener of the channel. We love John here. John wants to know, Mister Jim. Was Jim a big fan of horror movies, magazine fan as Glenn and Jerry? Well, John, uh, no, I was not. Um, I, I enjoy 50s horror and sci-fi. Once it gets into the, the late 60s, early 70s, I'm out. Um, okay, this is from Zach Guest. He wants to know, Jim, do you ever think you will come to Toronto with Robbie and bring uh, and he would bring a static age and a bullet for you to sign? Well, I'm going to defer that question to Robbie. You know, I just got my passport in two uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> so, hey, dude. You know, maybe uh, maybe something. You know, yeah, book a show. 
Yeah. Okay, Mr. Jim, what is a funny Glenn story? That's from Jody. Jody Ramon, a funny Glenn story. Funny, ha ha. Funny like a clown? I amuse you? Can we amuse <laughs> you? These Lodi guys that do the thing that they do? I, mean, I, think, I think this whole night was funny enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve Zing. Um, Steve. Steve Zing wants to know what about the Door songs performance at Max's Kansas City? We briefly touched on this, but I don't know if you want to. Uh, uh, we know uh, Steve uh, well here, and we want to honor his question. So, do you remember any of anything about that, Jim? I think you already answered this one, but yeah, I don't know if you have yeah. anything to say. Hey, 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 Steve, how you doing? Um, yeah, I kind of already answered it. I really. I kind of remember who played there, Barry, Jerry, Glenn, myself. Um, I honestly don't remember any of the songs we did. They tell me we did Changeling. I'm sure we did many more. Um, I'm a Changeling. Yes, I am. Honestly, as much as I remember. Um, Steve also follows it up by saying, thank you for being such an inspiration. Oh. Because he used to step, listen, Mr. Jim, as you probably already know, because you probably talked to Steve in the past, he used to sit up right next to you guys, uh, uh, right next door in that apartment complex. He'd sit up on his roof I and remember. he'd listen to the Misfits uh-huh. play. Him and, him and Doyle, yeah, I remember. And, and uh, Oh, I, Doyle was there he, too. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. And, and, that uh, makes sense. And uh, thank you, Steve, for, for calling me. Hell that. yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That's funny, and I'm in a band with both of them, guys. <laughs> that is that band. is funny. That <laughs> is interesting. How about that? How about that? That's it. There's, there's, the, uh, there's the common denominator. Oh, and by the way, hey, Steve Zing. Hey, Steve Zing, guess what? Guess what, Steve Zing? Uh, uh, Mr. Jim has officially weighed in on oh, whether the Misfits are led. a New York band or a New led. Jersey band. He was led in interrogation. He was not led. He was not led. He said what he said. Only and that's all there is to it. This was coerced. It's he was done. Trying, he was trying to please you. <laughs> now, now, was... now, Steve Zing could call up Glenn Danzig and go, Glenn, what do you think? And Glenn will weigh in on it, and then it's that will be that will be another yeah. opinion on on the matter. But know, as far it, as I'm it, concerned, Glenn, we have a member of the band. Glenn's said it. answer would be New York. You think Glenn's Glenn, answer would be New York? There you go. I, uh, Glenn's answer would be the opposite of what you say. Ah. No matter, no what, matter what he will, whatever you say, it's the opposite. So, so, so you got to go to Glenn. You got to say, "Hey, Glenn." So the Misfits—they were a New Jersey band, right? And you go, oh, yeah. "No, they weren't." <laughs> California band, yeah. Exactly. Hold on, hold on. We're getting lost here in the questions. Is Lodi Pizza better than New York City? Ooh, that is. That is a spicy. Yeah. Except the best pizza in Lodi is Curioni's. It's not Lodi pizza. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. What is what it? Guys, there's a lot of bad pizza in New York City. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's How good dare pizza, you? but there's a lot of bad pizza in New How York. How dare Sorry. you? I'm sorry. That's true. That's fair. 
It's true. There's bad pizza everywhere, even New York City. There is. There's bad pizza in Florida. Oh, there's not good. Oh, I bet. I got to disagree with what Dagger said. The Lovey's is the worst pizza in Hasbrook Heights because that's where I'm from. I'm from Hasbrook Heights. Lovey's is the worst. I can't. This is giving me problems. It's giving me problems as I'm trying to um, show show comments here hold on hold on hold on guys i got another one did jim ever go to the capitol theater in passaic i was at the capitol theater in passaic more than anybody i i used to live six blocks away from it so i would just walk there didn't matter who was playing i went that's awesome that's the way to be um does mr jim have any thoughts on later albums like Earth AD? No. <laughs> I love that. That was amazing. That was fucking awesome. Um, Zach Guest is saying maybe a House of Haunt could open and they always look for horror bands to play with misfits and ex-members. Okay, so there's a suggestion for you. Um, okay, this is from Raphael. Zach, what's a house of haunt? I don't know. Is that, that up is. in Canada? Or is we it? want to know, Zach. What is a house of haunt? Um, do you consider the Misfits a horror-themed punk band back then? Do you think it was a band with original ideas and great potential to grow? I feel like we kind of answer that, but we, I don't we know. kind of we kind of covered that, and and yes, I do think they were horror-themed band in later years. I thought they were more of a pop culture statement band when i was there i like that a lot a pop culture statement band i think that's good because those album covers are like they're like warhol paintings you know like okay yeah yeah come on jim i mean look at like the bullet i mean you could imagine you know i'm not trying to compare andy warhol and danzig but i'm saying that's glenn danzig looking at andy warhol I know, I know, I, I know what you mean—the splatter and, 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 and in-your-face type of yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Do you, were you around? So there's a—they tell that story on stage now, but that Glenn pressured Jerry to go into the library to steal a photo of JFK because they didn't have one. I've heard that story. Um, I was not present for that story. I'm not an eyewitness to it or anything, but right. I have. Right, right. Um, you used to work for Crazy Eddie's too, right? I did, yeah. Yep. And you knew Crazy Eddie. Yes, I met him. Uh-huh. What What was he like? <laughs> was he crazy? <laughs> was he? <laughs> that That's for a private conversation. Jeff. Oh, okay. All right, another time. Another time. Another if you time. listen. If you work, if you live in the tri-state area, you know who Crazy Crazy Eddie is like, that's like like royalty in the appliance world, okay? It's a big deal, okay? Crazy Eddie. So it was like, I was thought that was fascinating to learn that uh, Mr. Jim was uh, uh, a constituent of, of Crazy Eddie at one time or another. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, let's take another question. Uh, we, we have time for a few more and then we will... Uh, not going to answer that one. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, 
This Here's... must be pretty bad, Jeff. Let me hear. Let me hear some of them. All right, all right. Um, again, Steve, Steve Zing, thanks you again once again. Thanks, Jim. If it wasn't for your beats, I'd be a totally different musician. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Steve. Thank, thanks for everything you do. You're, you're great on your own, and and uh, it's funny when Steve. I'm glad, I I'm glad you think I, I I contributed to your success to your talent. When I, when Steve and I were recording a couple of weeks ago, uh, I said to him when we were because we were doing the live tracks, him and I, and I said, ah, you should do like a maybe a Mr. Jim type. <laughs> I asked, and I say to, to Mark in my band too. I'm like, guy, try to do a Jim feel right here, you know. Um, Jim, do you like to go fishing? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> These are the best questions ever. <laughs> I love these questions. All right, guys, guys. I like to eat, I like to eat fish, but I don't like to catch it. Um, all right, we're going to take three more questions, and we're going to wrap it up. The best, the next best three questions, and then we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to we're, we're gonna uh, let Jim lie down for a week. Right on. Robbie, before we get to the question, we're going to have to go, remind us to go to Ruby's when you're down here. Ruby's? Just, uh, on a night off, like Friday night or th- What's Thursday. What's Ruby's? It's a jazz club in St. Pete. It's fucking great. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we got to go. Hold on. I'm waiting for these questions to load. I see more coming. Um, okay, here's one from Umberto, who is like the fucking man. And I, I think we kind of briefly touched on this, but let's see. Umberto says, Jim, by any chance, do you remember the name of the venue you guys played at in Cleveland, Ohio? In September 1978, just filling in some missing details on the tour timeline. Um, Bardo, no. Um, I never played in Cleveland with the Misfits. It was probably either Joey or Manny before me or after me. But me personally, no. I never played there. Wow. I got to tell you, when you told me that you were like rehearsing your replacement, like that, like you saw my the look on my face when you said that, right? (laughs) You thought that was you didn't know, right? It was I just like that's for that's what I live for. I live for these like little flourishes. Every every ten years when we talk, you'll get something else you didn't know. Yeah, that's what I love. Slowly but surely, I get the whole story from Jim, the full the full enchilada, Um, Pat. Pat Licata, Franche Coba's Pat, son. How you doing, Pat? Pat. Pat's here. He says, I work for Lodi, pushing for the statue whenever I can. That's right. We're Mr. Jim. We're trying to get some sort of misfits statue yeah. er- erected because it should be for the town, maybe with a nice plaque. Like, how great would this be? The it, Misfits it be. Central, the Misfit Central lineups, but like in plaque form underneath the statue and yes. it just shows everybody who's in the band you know that kind of like, thing like the hall of fame yeah yeah, yeah. like the hall of fame because exactly. you know robbie what did you say what did you say to me one or you said in the comments one time about uh being in the uh, a member of the misfits it's be like being in oh, the it's what like a, it's like you're you know being a made man you know? yeah oh yeah you, you have, you're in that connection you're you're in that fucking family of the mafia you know what i mean Every no matter I what you do, out, they pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that was amazing. 
That was amazing. Every time they try to put him back in. Yes. I loved it. All right. That was our first question. Second question. What's this one? Was it ever mentioned Static Age was going to be a concept album? Is this true, Jim? You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't think it was ever mentioned, but you know, maybe if you if you listen hard enough, it, it, it could have connections between the songs, so it could be a concept album. I but, I one hundred percent subscribe. I don't know I, who knows if that's true or not. I totally could imagine it being a concept album. One hundred percent. We could make it into one. Yeah, you yeah. could. But look at the, even like lyrically. Again, all right, this is going to get pretty nerdy for a second, but the first two songs are about TV, TVs yep. in some way, yep. shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We're all blue from projection tubes, mm-hmm. and my eyeballs absorb only blue filtered light. Those are each one of those lyrics come. So maybe from what it sounds like, and we have tried to like retroactively piece this together in the past. Like, for instance, Jim, we were looking through the lyrics and we decided, uh, myself, Russell Casualty, and uh, uh, Robbie decided that TV Casualty might be an autobiographical song of Glenn Danzig. That Glenn Danzig's writing about himself in this song uh, through all the different lyrics, and it's just very interesting. But well, yeah, like piecing things together. So maybe it's possible. Glenn, it's possible, but maybe Glenn started writing a concept album about this stuff, and then he gave up two songs into it. You know, it's like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> Let's just make an album. Well, Robbie, were we talking about static and uh, TV casualties when we were talking about Cheers for Fears and just kind of like the, the fear mongering that the media causes? And then I, I came up with that clever Cheers for Fears kind of thing. Because I, I, I know, like, like you and I get into some wormholes, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that was like the same concept, was just the, like, the, Fear that the media creates, well, and, yeah. and, and like yeah. people just kind of like TV, it'll kill you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. TV will kill you. Um, dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. One more question. One more question, guys. This is the last question. I'm gonna pick it out. I'm gonna pick it out. I'm gonna give it to Pat Lakata. Pat Lakata gets the last question. Pat, great name. Pat, do, Jim, do you remember? taking those pictures on Arnott Street, drinking red striped beer, looking, uh, looked like a fun, a funny experience, especially my dad. He's a character. I do kind of remember taking those pictures, like at the factories and stuff. Um, I don't remember drinking red stripe. I'm, I'm sure I was, though. If anybody <laughs> else was. Um, I, I remember spitting on i think glenn's head or something in one of the pictures and and uh yeah it was it was pretty uh like industrial looking yeah um what's the what's what happens when you're doing a photo shoot like that is it just like is it just like all right we're just gonna walk around and pose for pictures or is it like uh all right it's time to pose for a picture everybody freak out like how does that stuff sort of come about or is it just like hey we're just gonna goof off and you'll capture us you'll you'll capture a cinema verte in the moment doing goofy shit well you know i mean you know we're at this time we're all young kids we're just like oh this might look good if we stood here you know that kind of stuff nothing nothing uh very existential about it 
Right. Right. Yeah. And you also did, you did those photo shoots in uh, Jerry's basement as well. That also went on, I think, right. bullet or uh, that was in the garage. Yeah. yeah. And you have like weird electrical tape on your on your, you know, you're you're in that's general. A funny, that's a funny little story. Um, Explain. We're in a black T-shirt with the sleeves cut off with electrical tape on the chest because the T-shirt is is a T-shirt from the band Sparks. Okay, oh. remember the band Sparks? Yes. You don't look like you do, but no, no, no. They're playing. No, they're are they? Did, they are playing. No, they're playing in uh, California. Yeah, I didn't want to publicize any other band, and it was the only black T-shirt I owned at the time, so I covered yeah. the Sparks logo with black tape. That's so they were like, "That's your way of making a black T-shirt," but it kind of has like a punky look to it too. Yeah, I mean, like... I wanted to wear a black T-shirt in, in the photos. But I didn't have a plain black T-shirt at the time because it was before that was cool. Right. I had a a Sparks band T-shirt that was black. So I covered the logo with black tape and it became black. So, you know, it's interesting. The reason why I the reason why I blanked just now when you said Sparks is because I literally somebody was just posting about Sparks on Facebook and it just like it it knocked me senseless. Because I was thinking, what are the chances that you bring up Sparks when someone just brought up Sparks, which is something that I never hear about? Like, it just was a weird, weird simpatico. Well, 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 well they were a little bit in vogue now because there's a new movie out about them. I yeah. Know, it's, it's a horrific movie. And I have were, not seen it. I have not seen it. they were a great band. I mean, you can tell I liked them back when I was in the Misfits because I had a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should listen to Sparks and you should watch the movie. I will definitely check it out. Thank you for the suggestion. Um, I guess that's guys. I, I I think that's it. I think we're we we've come to the end here. We could literally if if we literally could do questions all night, and we can't do that. It's just not going to happen. But this was like this was really a spectacular episode. I really enjoyed the shit out of this. Truly, this was such a a treat. And I want to thank Jim so much for indulging us that's what he did he was very indulgent to all of us tonight by allowing us to just poke and prod him with so many goddamn questions oh, shit. Yeah. oh it's horrible he's got a cream for that <laughs> yeah um you know uh but no you, you know what's funny you know that guy from back to the future biff you know what he does he's got business cards and what he does is someone comes up to him and before they even can say um are you biff from back to the future because this has been happening to him for what like 20 30 years he hands them a card that he had printed up it says yes i am biff no i won't like give you an autograph and no i don't want to take a picture something like that and he just <laughs> walks away so what he does is someone comes and approaching to him he already knows what that person's going to say to him and he just hands him the card and just walks away, and that's it. Something like that. I don't know what the details are on the card, but it's something like that's his way of dealing. With- are you <laughs> saying is this what we need to get, Jim? Cards yes. the same. Yes. Get, get, your guy, get your guy to get me some of those cards. Yeah. Yes, Sharpie. <laughs> Sharpie Riot. Riotstickers.com. Um, Jim, is there anything you'd like to say um, before we bounce out of here? Anything that any of you guys want to say before we bounce out of here? No, I just want I just want to thank you for having me, Jeff. I had a lot of fun, and uh, I'm available anytime. 
Awesome. Maybe we'll have to have Jim back to help him judge the Devil Lock like, contest. Actually, I would like you to to, to uh, do something with the surfing Cretinos. Uh, okay. Give us a little little uh, shot. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Let's have you guys on an episode of Pizza Punk. Yes. Okay. We'll do yeah. it. You mm-hmm. you you ask and you shall receive. We're gonna <laughs> do. We'll we'll set it up and we'll do uh we'll do a episode of Pizza Punk and you will. You'll, I'll, I'll listen to some of the music first and we'll talk all about that. Okay. For sure. Love Great. Would Thank love you. to do that. Would love Thank to do that. Okay. Uh, Robbie, you got anything you want to add? Anything you want to say? March 5th, Jim, Jamie, and I, plus uh, Zombie Alex, will be. he's coming down with me. Uh, Zombie we're gonna Alex. Yeah. We're gonna and, uh, don't forget uh, Chris Rhythm Man Waters. <laughs> yeah, they have Chris as well. Yep, yep. Um, we're going to be playing in St. Petersburg. The, there's an event we just posted, so just keep an eye on that. If you're in the, in Florida area, we'll be Everybody flying. Everybody fly down. Come and see us. Yeah. Yep. There's and also. At night, don't get COVID before. Yeah. Make sure to pick up uh, a copy of Cheers with Fears. Look at that. Robbie, come on. Posters too. Do it, Robbie. I don't even Robbie. have it. God yeah, damn it, Robbie. It's your own goddamn <laughs> single. This is the oh, guitar. All right. That's fine. Oh, That's yeah, fine. The, That'll the, work. The, That'll work. You're bringing <laughs> okay. that down, right? Alex is using that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Fucking no. Yeah. Uh, check out Cheers for Fears, RobbieBudget.com. Guys, stick around for one second, the three of you. Uh, for everybody else, we have a fun way of saying goodbye on the show. You know what we say? We say, uh, oh shit, where's my, oh my God, where's my thing? Where's my uh, videos? Oh, never video. say that. So, um, yeah, I, I, know where my, I know where my thing is. Hey. I'm warning you with peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. No more autographs. No more photographs. It will be peace and love. It will be tossed. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace (laughs) and hair crease. Do you guys know about the Patreon? Support this channel with the Patreon. The rest of you stick around. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. (laughs) So right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that $1.38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like 
a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. Make it for Florida! Make it for Florida!